Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we'll be co- we will be covering The Leftovers, Season 2, Episode 10, the season finale, I Live Here Now. I am Mr. Sal. I'm a science teacher, a high school science teacher. I'm here with one of my former students who had never has never seen this before. I, however, have seen this before. It's my favorite, my favorite uh, series on ever on television. And I'm here with my stu- former student Kurt, who hasn't seen it before. Now, how are you today, Kurt? I'm doing pretty good now that I've finished season two of The Leftovers. They get this I, garbage. It was a good. Up. It was a good series finale in terms of being a series finale. So. A good series finale? Yeah, just because, you know, good to finally end it off here. <laughs> right? Yeah. For those of you who are who are staggering in disbelief right now, uh, Kurt is wrong. There is a season three of The Leftovers. Oh. Yes. Well, hopefully it's better than this season, because why would you keep going then? <laughs> we'll uh, you know, that's, a, that's, not, that's not an unfair question. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of series. Most series, you know, they, they don't end at their peak. Some yeah. do. I respect that. But. I mean, I, I definitely, I will tell you that I definitely see the value in season three of The Leftovers. I, 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 and I love it. And I don't think a series has to end on its peak, right? Yeah. It's just a lot yeah. of series don't. Some do. I respect it. But a yeah. lot don't. I don't think that there are very many people who prefer season three to season two. Okay. But it's only eight so, episodes, right? Only eight episodes. Only eight. Okay. Well, while, while we're here, I also got, I just remembered the housekeeping of, I got to give your other social security number. Mm. If you want the long explanation for this, because it is pretty long, because I go into like, what's it? Uh, if you oh, give my- a mouse a cookie theory, mouse yeah. cookie theory is what I coined yeah. it as. Um, some, uh, basically, by doing, by giving Mr. Sal's social security number, which I deduced by some people, you can look at someone and you know their name. I look at Mr. Sal, I know social security number. So, my Wait, thought is, well, oh yeah, I mean, you're probably yeah, yeah. nervous. It, it is what it is. But by sharing it to the public, um, you know, it's a reason to watch the finales, to hear the next digit of a social security number. But why, why don't you just skip to the finale when you tell your friends about it? Like, oh, someone gave away someone's digit of a social security number. Well, while you're already here listening to this podcast, you're going to hear the finale coming up next. You might as well listen to the whole, you know coming up to a part so it's a good way to get people to listen to the whole thing uh, it's flawless logic and i'm 99.9 percent sure that this is a social security number um you remember what you gave out as the first digit yeah one by okay. happenstance it was one i know i know your entire number i know it already yeah that's right that's i'm right. just i'm just you know we're trying to milk it for all it's worth so by happenstance the first digit was one Luckily, by happenstance, the second position is not two, but rather it is two squared, or the one. Actually, from now on, I'm not going to reference the earlier numbers. Second digit is four. <laughs> there you go. Now we got to see all of them. Now we got to see all of them because soon Lost is going to have a season finale too. Very soon. So and, you know that, that's, I mean, the third number is going to be there. So if you're watching The Leftovers, not looking at Lost at all, if you want to keep up with all your numbers. You're going to have to watch all of Lost until that finale to really experience that final episode. Yeah, because I, this we are, we are covering this week, episode 21 of Lost. There are only 25 episodes in the season. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we will very quickly be at the Lost season finale, and then very quickly after that, the Leftovers series finale. Yeah, it'll be so close to the Lost season two finale. That will not be close. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be eons. So exciting times for show hoppers. I suppose so. I, I, I'm, by the way, deliberately not reacting to the digits of my social security number because I don't want to reveal whether they are accurate or not. You don't have to. I already know. Like I said, 99.9% confident. I see uh, polling's going on a lot now. And you have a margin of error of like 2, 3, 4%. Yeah. That's yeah. 0.01% margin of error here. That's amazing. Thank you. I've really honed my ability. You just said something to me uh, off offline here, out of the podcast, about what was it? Unwarranted confidence? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about that? Yeah, sometimes you have unwarranted that. confidence. That's all. <laughs> I ought for you to bring that up. Anyway. <laughs> oh. hmm. anyway. All right, moving on to the season finale, the season two finale of The Leftovers. I live here now. Let's uh, let's see if we can guess. Of course, by we, I mean me. Let's see if I can guess what Kurt gave this episode as a ranking. Now, we all know that on the sal the scale the Salascal of ranking uh, episodes, uh, rate. I'm sorry, ratings, not rankings. Next week we will be doing our ranking episode. Yeah, the recap of the leftovers with the, which will have a, a two minute recap and reason why we rank the episodes where we rank them. So that's always super fun. Of course, by always, I mean the one other time that we've done it. It was, it was really fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. So uh, so we'll be looking forward to that next week. But in terms of ratings on a scale from one to 10, just we have, we have in our show notes, the scale of conversion between Kurt's scale and the Salah scale. Uh, the, point of mediocrity i guess the baseline is a seven for me equals a five for kurt so that's where we're kind of meh like this up this this episode barely did it for us yes just barely yeah okay uh so far kurt has given out three tens in season two of the leftovers which i i never thought i'd see the day that he gave out even one ten but he's given out three tens uh, for reference, I've given out four tens so far uh, in this for the season. season. But for a leftovers in general. Oh yeah, this, this is the season. Yeah, if we want to go back to season one, uh, there were an additional five tens there. I gave zero tens for season one. Though, though, Cairo is close. I'll admit that Cairo is close. Yes, but I'm I'm gonna guess here. I, I'm having a hard time believing that anything in this ever is going to measure up to International Assassin. Assassin, uh, Knowing how much you loved Cairo and how much you loved the most powerful adversary, I've got to believe that this is not quite at that level either. Uh, I, I do feel like you probably could want to put it on a level with a matter of geography, but I don't think you want, I don't think you're going to give this episode a 10. I think you're going to give it a nine. So you 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 basically perfectly explained how I feel, and <laughs> I've actually gone into this. I can't decide whether you give it a nine or a ten. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to give a solid answer now. It's it's 
between nine and ten, and I cannot, I can't make up my mind between the two. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. Yes. And if if I guess right now I'll say it's a nine. I'll go with it. it's a nine right now. But you very easy to walk me up to a ten if you impress. Me okay. Enough. You can right. walk me up there. Okay. Do you want to take a guess as to where I am on this? Ten. Yeah, this is a ton easy. In in fact, I this is one of those episodes uh, I go back and forth on uh, whether or not this is my favorite of the whole series. Fair enough. Uh, it's a really it's a really good episode. Yeah, that's all I'll say. And really, I could have been very satisfied with this being the series finale. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. I think it would have come out as pretty good the series finale. I mean. Yeah. The, la- the the right end when he walks in, I'd be like, I mean, that's nice, but I kind of want to see more. <laughs> well, but yeah. Gonna... Overall, though, overall, yeah. oh yeah. Now I know I will. But yeah, but I I would say, now I I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but they they again did not know if they were getting a third season, and it was even in more peril than the second season because mm-hmm. season one's ratings were not very great but they were good enough that you kind of suspected they'd get a second season and it was critically well-received enough that you kind of suspected it. Season two, even though the critics like adored this season, like universally, uh, it did not have a lot of viewers. And so there was a lot of doubt as to whether or not they would get a season three and the way Damon Lindelof describes it, he basically, to quote him, says that he had to sing for his supper. Like he literally, you know, went to HBO Studios and had to sell them on another season of The Leftovers. They they ultimately did agree to one one last season, which I love when shows do this. Yeah, when they know it's their last season. Yeah, I love it. So one last season, and it was a reduced episode order of eight. So some things in season three are going to get kind of left by the wayside, unfortunately. Um, but by by that I generally mean some characters get kind of left. Oh, you got you got less episodes, and you're trying to you're trying to end things off. Exactly. That whole, I can understand yeah. that. Yes. So, uh, but and I think I've told you about the genius fandom and what they did to get to ensure a season three of the leftovers. Oh yeah, they, they dressed all in white. <laughs> yes, they yeah. dressed all in white outside of HBO studios or uh, corporate offices. Uh, smoking cigarettes dressed all in white with their uh, notepads writing down renew the leftovers <laughs> and so they were the guilty remnant trolling HBO I do like the idea of them going there to smoke and someone got a nicotine addiction for, <laughs> cause, for a worthy cause though yes 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 indeed so that's a student I can support I know you're a teacher maybe you can't but that's a student I can support right there <laughs> Well, if ever there was a, a worthy cause, I would say getting a renewal of the leftovers is one. <laughs> I'd smoke to that. I'd, Cigarette. I'd, yeah. yeah. If, if, if you had told me when season two ended that if I smoke in front of HBO headquarters. If you chain smoke like a whole pack in front of HBO headquarters. Yeah, they would give me a season three. I probably would have done it. <laughs> well, And I would have puked. You know, several times probably. Yeah, probably. I smoking that much, having not smoked before, that probably would not be great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so I, I, but I do give this a ten. I do go back and forth as to whether or not this is my favorite episode of the whole series. Um, it's definitely in my top five of the whole series for sure. Uh, it, there are some episodes. International Assassin would be another one. 
that's definitely up there. But anyway, let's let's start going through this unless you want to chime in on anything else before we start. No, no, there's not really anything I hated in. Really, yeah, there's nothing I hated. Yeah, in this Other episode, it really is it's. I mean, it's rapid fire. It's it's just it one is. thing after another. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of episodes of the Leftovers are a slow burn with those iconic one-on-one dialogue scenes. There's not. There is some of that one-on-one dialogue in this, but they're not long scenes, and they're not. Uh, there's. I would not call this episode a slow burn. I would call this a rapid fire. One combustion, thing like someone might even call it. By the way, before I forget, uh-huh. we had a discussion during our dis- during our discussion on lens, where Doctor, uh, what was his name, Raul? No, Joaquin. Doctor oh, yeah. Joaquin uh, was was trying to ask Nora when they moved in next door, right? Uh-huh. And we, we couldn't decide if it was August twenty second or September twenty second. Do you remember that? Okay, yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, yeah, I remember debating. We didn't have a time frame about when the move happened. But well, now he, we have the anniversary. Now we know that this is the anniversary. I am. I, I think I can say with confidence they have not been there for almost two months. Yeah, I can agree to that. I, well, so, speaking of them moving there, I also have in my notes somewhere about house real estate pricing. Oh my god. As you know, we must always look through the lens of a savvy I mean not savvy, but just a an economical viewpoint. Ignore's yes. terrible decision. Is it is is the stock gone way up now? Is it, no, no, it's gone way down. Oh, oh you're right. <laughs> it's plummeted, I'm pretty sure. So well okay, so so what do you do in that situation? Do you hold on to it or do you sell do you short sell yourself? I mean how much lower could it possibly go, right? That's like a yeah, surely, surely, yeah. surely there'll be some market correction. We'll get a little bit more back up. Not nowhere near where we used to be, but nah, surely, yeah. unless someone comes to your house and wrecks you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, oh, I'm sorry. I have to pause one more time. The travesty of it all is they've repaired up the house, started fixing it up, and it's worth way less than it was before. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> That's true. So. Well, I, now having said that, we don't know what it was actually worth before. We only know what Nora paid, which was way too That's much. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's worth way less than what she bought it for. Even in probably less than the worth it used to be even before Nora bought it. Probably yes. So we had talked about whether this twenty second that Doctor Joaquin was talking about was this August twenty second or September twenty second. Now that we know that the anniversary is happening in this episode, October fourteenth. I think that what is what is that two three weeks about three weeks, yeah. three weeks that seems like about the right time frame for what has happened in season two is about three weeks. I'd agree to that. Yeah. yeah. So that means that they did move in on September twenty second, which is the day of flight eight fifteen from Sydney to Australia. That is insane. Or from Sydney to Los Angeles. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So does Lindel Lindelof just loves putting in little things like that? Like the, I think he loves it, yeah. Like the departures where where he left Twitter? Yes. The departure. Yes. Ah, yes. Good for him. So, so uh, but I just wanted to make sure that I that I threw that in there that <laughs> we I think we have confirmation now that that actually was the date, September twenty second. 
So uh, again, there's no cold open. This is the third episode in a row with no cold open. I think. I you know they're doing a, at least my guess is they kind of leave everything on a cliffhanger. Not even yeah. quite a cliff. Yeah, I'll call it a cliffhanger. Big yeah. questions that you know will be answered. Yeah. And I think that if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think there are any cold opens in season three. I think this is a shift in the series that we are going to open with the opening titles. I'm excited for season three. I, I love uh, getting to see new intros right in the next season. Puts a yeah, new so, so on it. Interesting thing about the season three. How, how much do you want me to give away about nothing? Okay. All right. I actually, well, I'll say what you said before, which is each episode has a different. Okay. Opening. Yeah. Maybe not I the did. song, but just different. Yes. So I did. I did tell you that then. Okay. Good. So, so then you know each episode has a different song as its opening. Oh, it's okay. It is a different song. Okay. I see they're different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exciting. I'm also glad we got to see Evie after yep. I was correct. She didn't depart. Never. But we did that last week. We knew that last week. But maybe it was just a mirage, even though Tommy had never seen her before. Or maybe it was an animated uh, loved one's bereavement figure. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't. because we uh, we get to see the the first night that kevin and nora and jill and lily move in next door to the murphys we get to see that again for what is this the fourth time we saw from their point of view the murphys we saw from kevin point of view or like at least the garvey's point of view we saw from her point of view mm-hmm. what's the point of view do we see it from not uh okay so so we saw an episode one. It was the end of episode one, right? Mm-hmm. It was also the end of episode two. Yes. Because Kevin woke up at the bottom of the pond and Patty said, uh, uh-oh. Yeah. Right? Uh, it was also the beginning of episode four, right? Why? Orange, orange sticker? Oh, because that's okay. Right? Because... Uh, well, I know. I guess it wasn't that night. It was like the next morning. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so this is maybe the third time then that we've seen. At least third, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's they they flash all the way back to the girls leaving the house. They must have filmed that scene from three different camera angles, <laughs> yeah. right? From the from the Murphys, from Kevin and Nora's, yeah. and from the girls' from the camera angle. Well, I I haven't combed through it to see if it's like quite the exact same. I'm like if. There is. Yeah, well, I mean, you could just have them stay in the same place, and like from a distance for the Murph or for the Garvey's mm-hmm. angle, it'll be good enough. Yep. So, I, I don't. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same. I think. I think it probably is too. I think that yeah. probably forward thought all this, but yeah. So they, the, it's the girls leaving, right? Uh, Evie giving the present to her father, which we finally get. <sighs> Great. Yeah. Yep, and. uh the the girls get in the car. They go. They're they, you know they're rocking out until they get far enough away that nobody can hear them anymore. And then they t- Evie specifically turns the stereo off. The driver is crying, and Evie like with this menacing, threatening look in the back seat writes down on a notepad, "Don't." So, so I, I'm so ahead. sad. I could not guess. Like they had shown us earlier. How they're weird, like not weird, but some of the oddities of this friend group. Like we had seen them quiet in a car yeah. before, yes. and I remember like you come like, oh, that's odd. 
the <laughs> running in the woods. I still don't get the running in the woods naked. I, that I don't get either. Maybe they like ditched their guilt remnant. Why can't you change? Like I, I don't get that one. But the, the, they showed the choir in the car before. So mm-hmm. you knew that I should have. I should have figured they joined the guilty remnant. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but uh, Evie is clearly clearly the ringleader here. In terms, yeah, in this friend group, she's which makes sense. The drum. He's the one who had contact with Meg, you know, and, and it makes you wonder how much contact they've had intermittently. Yeah. That's what I was wondering too, because we saw how they meet. Mm-hmm. I was just, yeah, I was curious that if we'll ever see, I don't think we're ever going to see that, the communication between the two. Yeah, but, we're not. Okay, yeah. But, but I'll buy it. I'll buy it that they kept in touch. To interpolate that there were plenty of communications between Meg and Evie, that that was the start of a of a very meaningful relationship in Evie's life that culminated in this. And Meg's even, because Meg eventually yeah. joins the Guilty Remnant, and it might be fueled by, like, they might have, they might have, like, ping-ponged off each other into join the Guilty Remnant. Yeah. Yeah, that could, that, that could feedback be. Feedback loop. <laughs> yeah. Well, Meg has only been in the Guilty Remnant for about a year, right? Yeah, she's been, yeah, because she got yeah. there right as Kevin left. A, yeah, a we, bit before the police department fiasco. Right. So. We saw her join on Heroes Day, mm-hmm. and now this is the, the next Heroes Day. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, so so this is, yeah, the, so, so the, the, they only had about it. She was only in it about a year. Uh, Evie, less time than that. Like about a, a month or so, three weeks. So, although we don't know, what yeah, I don't know how much longer like sleeper cell for them. Right. Exactly. So the girls are setting the scene here. They're they're staging their own departure, locking the doors, leaving their phones in the car, uh, getting their bags out of the trunk, and so forth. And and they look <laughs> down in, into the. The, the the river lake whatever it is and they see kevin just staring at them and this would destroy their plans if kevin was in any kind of a uh, kind of way lucid but he's not he's asleep and he just jumps in with the cinder block around his ankle and they're suddenly off the hook i did like that scene all just because just the way he throws it and kind of looks at them, and then nonchalantly just tosses it in and just goes under. Yeah. He just keeps going. It's like, okay. Yep. It's like, oh, uh, it's, well, you haven't really watched, you've only watched like one episode of Arrested Development, right? Yeah, I watched part of the pilot. Yeah, there's there's a character named Maybe uh, who, who's one of her catchphrases is, well, that was a freebie. So uh, that, that's what the girls and Evie must have been thinking. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but almost immediately, well, maybe not quite immediately. I mean, he was under there for a few seconds before this earthquake happens and drains drains the swamp, as they say. Oh yeah, not a swamp. Dra- drains drains the the watering hole, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then we're that earthquake transitions right into where we are now with another earthquake and Kevin climbing out of the ground. So it I, seems that these earthquakes are very significant. I like the, I like the transition 
Yeah. And speaking of earthquakes, have you ever experienced an earthquake? Very minor ones. Really? Yeah. Where? In the, just... in the town where I live, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. I want to. I, I want to. I want to be in an earthquake. <laughs> I've always wanted to be in an earthquake. Now, I don't want to die, or I don't want any serious damage to happen. Of course, but I just want to. I want to feel. I want to feel the tremoring. You know what I mean? It is terrifying. Well, I just want a heads up then before it happens. Someone could tell me, hey, <laughs> earthquake happening. I think only like Japan once predicted an earthquake. And they only did it once. That's because they were like, looking at animals. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's not easy to do. No, no. How do animals know? Oh, okay. I'm not sure no, we I, knew. I we would figure it out. I don't know how. Anyway. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. So. We're now we're back to where we left off at the end of International Assassin with Kevin climbing out of the ground, Michael returning, and Kevin finds out that he was dead for eight hours. So, possibly dead. Well, poison. we don't know what he injected him with. He said it was maybe heroin. But... Okay, so between the time that he was poisoned and the time he climbed out of the ground, eight hours had been had elapsed. That is a lot. Okay. Also, how do you survive underground? Because it looks like Michael just straight dug him underground, like didn't yeah. didn't give him any sort of air or anything. Just right, maybe he did, but I didn't see it. So this this is a callback to Erica's birds, right? Mm-hmm. If you put a bird in a box in uh, in Miracle or in Jarden, and you bury it, and I think she said three days later you come back, the bird should be long dead. I thought they were going to say three days here. Right. I I think that that would have been a little too on the nose. Okay. Because three days is the time, the amount of time that Jesus was. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So I was like, is this like a yeah. biblical thing? And also um, what Erica said? The birds. Yeah. So I, th- I think that would have been a little too on the nose. But the point is you bury something in the ground in Jordan and it comes back to life. So I think that's that's a, the call a callback that we're witnessing here the eight hours he may not have been buried for eight hours we don't know how long it took michael to dig the hole and actually get him into the hole and covered but i'm sure it was more than an hour or two mm-hmm. i mean i would say it was probably at least three or four hours that he was buried under the ground yeah. which should kill anybody that now i'm wondering if they made it instead of like you know he was We'll say like ten hours total, twelve maybe. He was out of it, dead, whatever you want to say. If they made it three days, just like you know, he gets back up. John's hunting for him. He's got like a town-wide search for him. Ah, so, uh, I would change that anyway. That's true. It would have changed a lot. The the other thing to to realize though is that if they if they called it three days, then there's no real ambiguity. Everything we saw happen in International Assassin oh, is... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. That is true. Then he totally came back from the dead. Right. With eight hours, like, I don't know how long someone's uh, someone can have no respiration before it's impossible to bring them back to life. But, I mean, if you figure that maybe he was breathing and maybe his heart stopped or whatever, like maybe there was some way for Michael to mistake him for dead. You could still see a scenario in eight hours whereby he may not have actually died. Hmm. Yeah, eight hours is definitely more realistic than three right. days. 
Right. I think it's I think it's a little cuspy. Like it's right on the cusp of of no, he was definitely dead. And maybe he could have survived. So yeah. That's a, that's a good line to tell, as they always do. Right, exactly. So I love it. I love that about it. But uh he he wakes he has this conversation with Michael and he finds out that Patty is gone, Virgil is also gone, and Michael does have some concern and affection that he shows for, for Virgil. He says, did he help you? And Kevin tells him that, yeah, he did. He helped, he helped me a lot. But when Michael asks if Evie was there, Kevin says no, because even though we know Evie is alive, Michael doesn't. I just want to be noted how wrong so many people were. We got we to go back. I know I've talked about it already, how I was right. People are wrong. But like Michael was wrong. Erica was wrong. John, you were right. Um, yeah. Well, no, Isaac didn't say that. Nora may be wrong. Right. I think she was believing that maybe she departed. She did say that, actually. I mean, she she outwardly said they didn't depart. So Yeah, yeah, that's what she said. So. Yeah, this is... Well, I mean, you can see it when she sees the girls on the bridge. Like, she, like, gloats about it. Like... <laughs> It's the girls. There they are. Uh, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It almost doesn't even seem like it almost seems like beyond relief and into conceitedness. She's already yeah, she's already smug about it. She's like, oh, yeah. I knew it all along. Never never wavered. Just just like me, never wavered. Now, here's the other thing though. Now Patty told Kevin Oh yeah, that is uh, I forget. yes. Yeah. Patty says a liar. Yeah. So is Patty a liar or is Patty just not real? And this is just an extrapolation of what Kevin is thinking. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I remember. I, I just now realized why I dinged this to possibly nine over 10. Go on, though. Go on. We'll get to that. Okay. I was gotcha. running in my head like, why did I give it a 10? I really like this episode. I just remembered now. Okay. <laughs> why I dinged it. All right. Good. Because um, it's a lot easier for me to combat like a specific reason than just a general malaise. Yeah, yeah, there is a reason. I remember yeah. now because I was wondering in my head. I really like this episode. So many, I like everything. Why would I yeah. not give this a ten? And then I remembered. <laughs> oh yeah, wait. Okay. All right, but suddenly now Kevin remembers seeing the girls. Now it seems as though Kevin's sleepwalking memories have returned to him now that he's crossed over to the other side and come back. Seemingly. Okay. Yeah. I was I was willing to give this up that he just remembers now. I was like, okay, I don't, yeah, that's fine by me. But okay, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I think it I think it makes a certain degree of sense. Like he goes to the other side to do battle with his adversary. He defeats his adversary, and in doing so, I mean, what he everything about him in this episode is so much different than the way he presented for the rest of the season. He's he's much more accepting. Now yeah. this, of the supernatural, right? Like we look back when his dad was trying to get him to look at the magazine oh, for Cairo, yeah. and they're meeting. Like he was so violently against this notion in any way. Like now he's very accepting of it. And with John, we know super, yeah. you know, everything's grounded in reality, so on and so forth. Like you know, when they have their dialogue and whatnot. Yeah, Kevin's the one. You know, he's the he's his, he's almost like his own father in the sense oh, of yeah. like. But he's so he's almost like, but he's he's very different from his father in that his father was so high strung about it. Kevin yeah. seems very zen about it, just like 
I, there might be some ex- like circumstances for that, but right. You know, but you are right. Yeah, he's more zen about it. You're, you're completely right. Yeah, I mean, that is know, so high strung. Right to the point where when he walks up to his house, he just goes right up to John and said, "Print match." You know, like very accepting of whatever's about to happen. You know, he tells yeah. his family, "Don't worry, I'll be okay." Like he, this is this is a level of confidence and calm that we haven't seen this entire season from him. <laughs> yeah so but he also lucidly remembers seeing the girls stage their departure mm-hmm. so now the next thing we're back at the murphy's john is awake at the table he's been drinking not coffee because there's no coffee in the coffee maker uh and doesn't want to go to church with erica and he's just kind of staring at the present and Erica is prodding him to try to, to open it. Come on, just open it. Just open it. He doesn't want to. She just grabs it out of his hands and opens it. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, what, what, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't get angry. Like, hey, you were supposed to She just immediately capitulates. He goes, well, yeah. present's open. <laughs> now that it's open, he wants to know. Yeah. And, of course, what we see inside is a dead cricket. And we remember back to, to episode one where John was obsessed with finding this cricket that just kept chirping and chirping and chirping. And all three of his family members had a different explanation for the cricket. Evie's was, you're never going to find it. Uh, Erica's was, it's not in the kitchen. And I don't, I don't remember what Michael's was. But anyway, uh, it, it was it was kind of a driving force behind John's character in uh, in episode one. But he sees the dead cricket now, and and he's so enamored. He's like proud. He says she found it with like such admiration. And I love. know. Well, listen, he John gave it his all. John, the man capable of so much yep. was bested by this cricket. And yeah. he's so proud of his daughter. Huh. Yep. Finally, someone stuck it to that cricket. That's yeah. Good. But Erica shoots him down immediately. <gasps> oh. And she she tells John that she heard it chirping the whole time that they were out looking for Evie that night. And we actually saw this. Do you remember seeing this? At the, the very, it's the very end of the episode, right? Very cricket, last cricket. Thing that, Yep, I, re- I remember that when she said that. Yeah, I remember the very last thing is the cricket noise. Yeah, so this is this is legit. Like she, that that cricket was chirping when the present was presumably with John in the car. Or, I mean, I suppose if it was the actual cricket in the box, like it was just dying. But I, I'm I'm guessing if Erica's saying this, that box was not in the house with her while the cricket was chirping. And John is having none of it. Why would she do that? So Erica says she caught another one. And John says, well, why would she do that? And to which Erica replies, because you wouldn't let it go. And that is kind of John's MO for the whole season. Like that is his character. You won't let it go. You won't let Isaac go. You won't let uh, Virgil go. I mean, that's maybe a little more understandable than Isaac. You, know, you, you won't let, there are no miracles, a miracle go. Uh, you, you won't let Matt go. 
And Evie was just tired of it. He wouldn't let it go. And John says, John just completely dismisses her. F you, Erica. <laughs> I don't think we get to see another interaction between the two of them. No, no, no. From, from a distance when he first enters the church. Yeah, we also... Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. That that's probably the only time they, yeah, that they, yeah, they never actually talk one on one. We see, we kind of see John's feelings about it afterward. Yes, he does go looking for Erica, but yeah, we never see Erica's cousin. Yeah, we don't see them ever talk one on one. Yeah, yeah. So, is this is this a bridge too far for Erica? Is she done? Nah, not yet. Okay, what about not John? Not, not not with this marriage. That's what I mean. Well, I mean, Erica was ready to leave. She had. Yeah, she her... was ready to leave, but I don't think like she would have came back tomorrow if this is all that happened. Okay, gotcha. All right. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I think this episode it's, it's done and over with. But after this this interaction, I don't think it's enough to kill it. Okay, gotcha. So they're interrupted by a knock at the door. It's the park ranger or whatever local law enforcement there is telling John that there was a print that matched. John is the law in this environment, by the way. John is what? He is the law. Well, he definitely has his, what is it? His finger on the, on the scale. scale? Yeah. Of, of the law in this town, but he <laughs> gets his gun and they go next door. How, how convenient, right? That like you, you you get it back. Oh, we know who the criminals. It's your neighbor. Ah, oh, that saves me a trip. <laughs> thank good, thank just, goodness. I can just walk there. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was gonna have to get my car, drive. Might be some traffic. I've been drinking. Yeah, yeah, I'll make it much harder. I'll probably get a ride. <laughs> now I can just shoot him over at his own house. It's so nice. <laughs> yeah. So, but Kevin's not there, and Lori answers. John's very confused. I know. I love this. This is. I mean, seriously, who is this lady? Yeah, because I was wondering how long has it been, and then I remembered. Oh, he's only in the ground for eight hours, so he's only gone overnight. Right. It's just been one night. So yeah, this is it. This is the next day. Fully reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it doesn't take long for Kevin to return. And he immediately, like I said, he's like, print match. Like, he fesses up to it like that. Just yeah. immediately. And they take Kevin away the whole time. He tells Lori and Jill, stay here. Don't worry. I'll be okay. Uh, I'm, I mean, I wasn't very convinced of that. But... Yeah, it did not sound like it could be. There's like the Rangers with John. Yeah. It's not boding well for our I did, hero. I did love that interaction. Like, print match. Indeed, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, this is what I mean by the the Zen of Kevin Garvey at, at this point. You know, it's just he's not going to fight it. He's not going to hide from it. It's just, yeah, pretty matched. I know it did. You know, uh, we can go talk about it. Sure. By the time he figured it out, but John was in in a neutral place. Yeah, John, John was pretty neutral about. It. I guess. Oh yeah, he wanted that. Yeah. Wanted to go to a neutral place, not not Kevin's home. Yep. But to yep. a place of basically his choosing the pound where his dog is being held or kennel, I mean. That's right. So oh now let's think about this. Have like neutral ground? I don't think that's neutral ground. Because he immediately demands to know where the dog is. 
But there's another dog in a negotiation similar to this and lost. So when Jin goes to the guy's house, the secretary of the environment, and he's the secretary is just so grateful that he gives him a puppy. Yeah. All Kevin had to do to get out of this was just give John a dog. Oh, yeah. It would be that simple. Yeah. It's like I, oh, yeah. Cause, hey, you're right. Instead of Jin asking for the puppy, the, the man gave the puppy. Right. This time it was even easier for Kevin. He knew exactly what to give John, the dog. Didn't I, do. I do shiver at the thought, though. If Kevin did admit what dog was his, what would John do? Oh, John, yeah. he's doing some sort of animal torture, definitely. Like, why is he just asking? So, which one is yours? I'll trade you. Like, no, 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 John. Uh, if John wants to talk to you, you don't want to talk to John. That's how this works. John, John's doing something. <laughs> That's right. If, uh, yeah. If he's if he's walking up to you, you you turn the other way and you walk a bit faster. Like he's it's... there's a plan. There's milk and nations in there, and you don't want to be part invite, of that. He invites you over to his house for a barbecue. No, we can't. But how how about you come over to our house? tomorrow no no that's no that you just don't interact no 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 you don't even on your own ground john's got something ready <laughs> you just say i allergic yeah he's that kind of guy no barbecue isn't there meat at barbecues yeah no oh and by the way oh yeah <laughs> i told him it was a barbecue if they were vegetarian that would have been the time to tell me <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, by the way kevin was not alone when he came home no, yeah, he's with Michael. This Which, Michael thing. I mean, John pays no attention to that, but Michael does say, listen to what he has to say. So I wonder how much of John's patience was extended by the fact that Michael said that. He does He does ask Kevin, like, as they're walking, like, oh, you know, what, what's Michael doing with you? We're, I think he does ask him, or maybe that's what he asked Michael. Yeah, what I think you're doing me, John. Maybe ask that to Michael. I'm getting that the wrong way around. To Michael, you know, I, yeah, Michael does tell him, "Hey, go hear him out." Yeah, yeah, and I actually do think that that buys Kevin some time because John does show a pretty unprecedented amount of patience with him in the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. listen, I th- I think it's fake patience, and he's just basically trying to interrogate him. To find out where Evie is or what happened to Evie. Yeah. That, that's my thought on that. I think. I think that you're giving John a lot of credit for having more restraint than we've seen him have. The only reason he's doing restraint is because he really likes Evie. You know? And he, or he loves, I should say, really likes, he loves his daughter and he yeah. wants her back. So he's willing to, you know, fake. Like, listen, I wholeheartedly believe that if, if they walked in there and Kevin went, John went, which one's your dog, Kevin? And Kevin gave it up. He started torturing the dog in front of Kevin until oh, he spoke. Or at least right. threatening it. You're probably right. So I think I think it was all just a charade. Cause that's, what, that's how John, John's, you know, the way John works. Hmm. At least in my eyes, I think it's all charade. Okay. That's, Mike, that's Mike, Mike bought Kevin no time. All right. You don't think that Mike saying that does something to John to give, just give him pause even for just a... Let's... Okay, nothing notable. I think I think if Mike wasn't there, he would he would take Kevin to a neutral ground. Because the reason he takes him to the dog, listen, the reason he takes him there is so he can shoot him. I feel like it's 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 an isolated place. Yeah, he knew probably knew him to go in there. The dogs are loud. Bark. Yep, I totally agree. Perfect. So I think no, he he knew what he was. Mike did nothing to change that. Okay. 
All right. Well, Mike is, uh, he does go talk to Erica and tells Erica that, now this is, this is part that confuses me. He says that he's been at her dad's, which I. Oh, wait, always, I didn't even realize that. I have always been under the impression that Virgil is John's father, not yeah, Eric. I thought too. And to, to the point where I, you know, I actually went and did some re- research. There is a site called watchingtheleftovers.com, okay. which I do not recommend that you go to until we finish the series. Fair enough. Uh, but it is HBO sanctioned, but it's a blog, and they do take contributions from you know, fans and so forth. But I, I did read one of the only articles they have on Virgil, and it does refer to him as John's father. So I'm not sure why he's calling, why he's calling Virgil, Erica's father. Well, okay. Here, here, here's my here's my stretch in logic. You ready? Yeah. Oh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know this better than I do. Uh, I don't know if it's like a pastor or a priest, but some people call him father, right? Yeah. Boom. So uh, Mike prays with Virgil. So whenever he talks to Virgil other people, he calls him father. Hmm. He's your father. He's all of our fathers. He's Father Virgil. There you go. That was my stretch. Anyway. Okay. I don't yeah. think that's enough. Though. I don't think that's enough. I, I, I do think that's a continuity yeah. error. But. Yeah. I I, th- I mean, yeah, it's her father-in-law, so maybe that's what he meant. That's true, too. Yeah, some yeah. families, different ways. Maybe, maybe either John or Erica is adopted. In a in like Punjabi, I know what to, which is like a language supposed to yep. do. Brother and sister, maybe I'm if I'm not wrong, like Didi means sister, but it's also how you say cousin. Oh, so they kind of they kind of like equate them at similar levels. Mm-hmm. Weird to me. So they do a lot of things that are kind of uh, the family structure is a bit weird to me in terms of what they call them because they use the same words for a lot of things. But, okay. So maybe maybe I don't know. They they, they have some it's just just you know their family yeah. thing of Yeah. Your parents in laws are also your mom and dad. Yeah, I mean I, I I know plenty of people who call their in laws mom and dad. Okay, well there you go. Well, plenty of people. So I, I'm I'm still operating under the assumption that Virgil was John's father because he talks about hurting him a long time ago. So and and Kevin calls him out as John's father, and he doesn't disagree. So I, I I do think that he is actually John's father, and for some reason Mike is calling Virgil her father as well. I mean, we but, could make the obvious, not the obvious, but the potentially obvious remark that maybe he is both of their fathers. So I I I don't think that. No, I don't think that's the case either. But one of them could be adopted. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But, you know that—that's a possibility. That he, in which case, they would both think of him as their father. But I think okay, we're getting a lot in the weeds of his personal. Yeah. I, 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 I just—he's not her father. My eyes, maybe. Yeah. Same. Same here. But anyway, Erica and Michael are going to go uh, go to church. Because it's it's the anniversary, it's the fourteenth. I will say though, it's so heartbreaking to see when because Mike the whole time, this entire episode, you know, he's deep sadness. 
Mm-hmm. Eh, maybe not. He's it kind of changed. We don't see him much anymore after this. But when he runs for EV, kind of running. Um, Jim, Erica. No, I'm talking about Michael here. The sadness because of Virgil's death. He kind of just seems sad yeah. a lot yeah. here. And right here, ah, oh, when Erica's like, you can't see him anymore. You're not supposed to go see him. And Mike's like, I, I won't go see him anymore. My promise oh, yeah. or whatever. It's like, oh. Yeah. How sad. It is. It's, I mean, this he is. Looks, he looks so hard. Like his eye, he looks so sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is. He seems like he was closer with Virgil than he was with anybody else in his family. Yeah. Do you think he has any resentment towards Kevin? No, I don't. I don't actually. I, I don't I think... think so either. I was wondering if he would, like in this episode when he came back to life, or was just yeah, unconscious. I think we would have seen it in the you know at this point if if he was resentful of Kevin, I think we would have seen him show that in this episode up right before this, and we haven't. In if anything, there's more of like a reverence for for what Kevin went through, and and he's telling John just listen to what he has to say. Like I think he's kind of in awe of Kevin. Do you do you think he would be in the wrong if he had some disdain for Kevin? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I think fully, he'd be fully justified. Oh. Yeah. But, but uh, back in the Garvey's house, Jill and Lori. Lori finally confronts Jill and says, "You're going to have to talk to me eventually." Which is like, I mean. Could there be a bigger slap in the face than that statement? I know. Oh, and Jill, Jill picks up right on there. Oh, yeah. Yep. And Lori does offer to leave, but Jill says, no, he said we should stay. And so she does stay. But, but yeah, I mean, of course, that's a, that's a callback to the fact that Lori would not talk to Jill because she was in the guilty remnant. And here... Jill is giving Lori the silent treatment and Lori's very hypocritically saying you're going to have to talk to me eventually. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that's, that's a rough one. That is rough. All right. So next scene we get is Nora, Mary, and Lily are in... Uh, Ma- it looks like it's Matt's house. Matt and Mary's house. Or the, whatever that is. The exactly. Garage. Right where I thought she ran away to. Yeah, which is is like... The most obvious place, of course, that's where she is. I thought we thought it was so obvious. I mean, you already knew, but I was like, well, I feel like Kevin must have already checked it or he must have thought of it because it's just so obvious. Yeah. Well, I uh, mean, she's got Mary with her. So she needs a place to set up Mary and all her equipment. In Miracle, yeah. Yeah, in Miracle. Yeah, exactly. So, so she's already this is already kind of baked in here. So, but she's she's there. She turns on the radio and that that song "There's Reason" starts playing. That's the song that Matt always plays when he does Mary's routine because that's the song that was that he played the day that she woke up, allegedly woke up. But and uh, the but she changes it away from that to some talk radio program about the departure because this is after all the anniversary of the departure. There's the host is interviewing uh, some guy who lost his daughter. He and he wanted he wants to have another baby, but his wife doesn't want to do that. She doesn't feel like she can. Uh, and th- he says uh, the the wife left him because 
she doesn't want to have that that other baby and the host actually takes the side of the wife here and says that mechanism that allows us to love your wife's is broken and a new baby's not going to fix that which this is all happening as nora is changing lily's diaper and it is clearly connecting with her as being exactly what she has done she lost her family here she is she's adopted this baby to try to replace them but when she hears the host say that mechanism that allows us to love is broken and a new baby is not going to fix that here she is changing the diaper of her new baby that is this attempt to try to fix that mechanism within her and <laughs> then the host says but you know what can well and before that anything you want to say about no 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 I, uh, no okay I agree with you. yeah but but you know what can says the host jesus and uh-huh. Nora is having none of that she picks up the radio and smashes it says fix that jesus and then there's another earthquake i presumed that this was the earthquake that woke up kevin when I woke up, but like when he left the ground. Well, it was dark though when Kevin left the ground, wasn't it? You're right. It was a sunrise, kind of though. But you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not. It's not impossible that it was the same earthquake. No, but you're right. I think you're right because I think it was light out. I I wasn't really paying attention to outside. I was just yeah. doors. And this is this is something that I'm going to want to talk about at the end of the episode. But it seems like every time there's an earthquake somebody's coming back from that place in between life and death. So the hotel. Yeah. The hotel, we can call it the hotel. Yeah. So when we think about the first, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it the hotel yet because the first earthquake that we see in this episode is happens and it drains the pond and saves Kevin's life. So, so you could think about him being, in between life and death under the pond and the earthquake bringing him back to life. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we see the earthquake happen as he crawls out of the ground. And now we see the earthquake happen and Mary wakes up and we know Mary was in that hotel where Kevin was as well. If you're taking the hotel, literally, if you're, if you're saying that Kevin actually went to this place between life and death, he did see Mary there. And now here she is waking up with this earthquake. I can only wonder what her quest was. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Uh, they could make a whole series, a whole TV series, out of just people's quests in this hotel. Absurd, yeah. Just like place of this hotel. Deliver the heart, the heart in the cooler. You know, uh, receive the balloons. Like, whatever. Sing a song. Sing a song. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get to that scene later on. But at, at any rate, it seems as though these earthquakes happen when someone comes back to life. And so I, I want to visit, revisit that at the end because I, I'm, I'm a little confused about that. But anyway, Mary is up here. So, uh, you know, Nora broke the stereo, cursed Jesus, and uh, there's an earthquake and Mary is awake. And of course, what do you do when Mary wakes up? You you bring her to see Matt. Naturally, how did they, how did they make you feel? Mary woke up. Actually, let's talk about the math thing here. 
you want to talk about I want to talk about Matt seeing Mary. Okay. I mean he's he's thrilled, but he almost immediately flips the switch from thrilled to terrified. Oh my god, you need to get back in right now. Yeah. What are you doing out here? Well, she needs to be in there. Right, exactly. Um, but but he does ask her before they go, he does ask her if she remembers waking up and having sex. And, and she does. So of course. Right. So you know, it's it's vindicating for Matt, obviously. It's a little bit vindicating for me too as a viewer. Like I don't want Matt to be a rapist. I see now this is the thing. This is where it got docked the point. It's not it's that they had this like, oh, is he crazy? Is he not vibe thing? And then they just completely collapsed going, nope, this is actually what happened, kind of. Unless they, listen, if they somehow bring back of, nope, now Nora and Matt are crazy, maybe Mary was never there, but it's kind of, that's pretty hard to walk back now. Yeah, I think yeah. they even see her moving at the end with the, yeah. so, like, it's, I just, I, I just really liked that angle, and they slaughtered it, and, I mean, I guess they can. So well, well, here, here's what would have been interesting to me. Here's what would have been interesting. If she went, I, it's, it's hard for me to remember, right? If she, or she's like, look, if she's not unsure, if all they did was that, I would have, I would have been fully fine. Oh, but then, she, but then he's a rapist. No, 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 no. Because, like, okay, we're we are unaware of the effects that this has. Like, Mary's state is so wild. Like, we don't know, right? If mm-hmm. she. I guess, I guess, I mean, he, we, we can't say for certain that he is. He could be, certainly, like, she can't remember, maybe she never did come to, but if she can't remember the last time she came to, who's to say, you know, but at the time, she was completely lucid, and, you know, she, maybe she even asked me, like, hey, man, let's, you know, let's have sex. This, does that make sense? Yeah, so... You would have preferred that they say I rem- that she say I remember waking up, but I don't remember anything that we talked about or did. That, or even saying I don't really remember waking up. Okay, I'm sorry, it's just so foggy, right? So just something along those lines of just just keeping an ounce of not remembering, because she, she's just so positive where she's like, oh yeah, I woke up, yeah, 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 I remember that, of course. Okay, you see what I mean? I, I wish they kept a gray area there. And that's it. I'm okay that she came back. I'm okay with that. Just, I wish they didn't crush that thought process. I don't know. I thought it was kind of, like, interesting. I'm well, like, it definitely was, but... Matt's a nice guy, all this, but did he? You know, <laughs> I, I don't... I think, like, what he believes is he didn't, obviously. But there was all the question in the air of, but did he? Right? Right. You know, right. however, what it does to his mind, mental state. And I just, I wish they did it that way. Well, I just I want I want to walk through this a bit because I, I think I, I think if they do that, if Mary says she doesn't remember waking up, then doesn't that mean that Matt raped her, and isn't that certainty the other way? That's that's what I'm wondering on. If I don't, I'm not sure on that because okay, for, <laughs> this is gonna become like what is rape? I don't want to get too much into this. And I definitely think if if you can't remember if you wake up the next day and you don't remember things and whatever that's that's rape, but this is a very ex like extremely different circumstance of you know she's 
almost like a vegetable like steak and then according to matt started talking in and everything mm -hmm. i can completely understand if like they both consented to having sex and that happened and then she went back into her state and then came back out of it and went oh well, I, I can't remember that last time i was out of my vegetative state like i don't know then that's I, like, yeah I, you know what i mean like that's that's what gets me i would completely agree with you and like in real life, that happens. It's like, well, yeah, I think that's right. But in this circumstance, because no one, this, this doesn't happen, at least to my knowledge, this doesn't happen where someone's like a vegetative state. They come out, go back in, come out, and don't remember. You know. I see. So, so yeah. So, so in that case, if she did that, then we're right back where we were, and not knowing if she woke up or not. Yeah, because we don't know if she woke up or not. She can't remember. She doesn't remember. We have Matt's recollection. Of, oh, she woke up. I know she did. But it only only maps the one that for certain says that. I think it's just an interesting thing. Okay, so then the only the only thing I would say, well, I, I could say a couple of things. First of all, does that help Matt get back into miracle? If she if she doesn't remember, he probably can't get back into miracle. Well, no, 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 I think what I'm going to that is he can get back into miracle since she's up and walking around. <laughs> And that's like, I mean, that would amaze John enough, right? Uh, I don't know, would it? I mean, because she, uh, Matt something along the lines of like when she gets up and tells you, and also, oh, what, what was it? You, you probably remember it. He said, uh, "What are you talking about, Matt?" Said yeah, when well, Matt said it to John of like, she she will wake up again, and when she does, I'm going to come back in, and we are going to have a talk. That's okay. Oh, so that's what it was. Um. I guess Mary would be probably be willing to lie for John, but I see what you mean in terms of look, she can't remember. But if Matt claims she got up once before, and obviously she's done it just now, I I could see a world where John's like, well, holy crap. Maybe John would believe in his world of she must have been okay this entire time. Like she, they, they were wrong about her being in a vegetative state completely, because there's no way he can be in a vegetative state and then come out of it. Maybe. But I think I think John would rationalize it in his own way. Maybe, but I think that the the fact that she is willing to that that she remembers that she's willing to to say that she remembers having sex with him, and and it was consensual, is what allows him to get back into miracle. Because I think if she doesn't, if she says she doesn't remember, then either she has to lie or he's not getting back in. But but I take no. But see, I even take that whole point as mute. Even if John doesn't believe Matt, and obviously I haven't seen the next season, I don't know any interactions between John and Matt. I hope there's one. Obviously, I, I hope there's that sit down. But at the end of this season, he can clearly walk into miracle. Everyone else is doing it. So, uh, well, okay, for, I, for, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't hit that hurdle yet. So I understand like they probably will have their sit down. I expect that to happen, and they will talk about it. So, yeah, I I understand what you're saying that. This is like surefire proof. At least it's two people saying it, whether John wants to believe it or not. She's saying it with her own words. Mm -hmm. but, so. so the other point that I, that I would make is that I'm very, I, I'm thankful for this because I, while I enjoyed the ambiguity for an episode, I thought it was, it was great to think about. Um, I want my Matt to be blameless. I I, I, I I can respect that. I 
I, I might be a little more nefarious of like that's a wrinkle in Matt's character. That's a that's a pretty big wrinkle in his character because Matt's a I really think... nice guy. He's a super good guy. He does almost everything. He's a very morally upstanding person. He is, but he's got he he's not perfect. He's I not. mean, you know he he could have just taken the money and run in the parking lot of the casino, and he chose to like beat the guy with an inch of his life to to get that money back. You know, he could have the, he beat somebody else up too, didn't he? Yeah, the the guy who was so impatient with him in the line, he tore up the guy's paper and like started fighting with him uh, to get back into miracle. I'm talking about. You know, so, but none of these none of these are wrinkles that are bad enough that you still go, he's a good guy, right? You won't you won't put these as caveats of like that's a good guy, but he tore up that guy's paper the one time, or he's a good guy, but he beat up the guy that tried to rob him. You know what I mean? I don't. I I wouldn't do that. I would just say he's a good guy, but there's a caveat of he's a good guy, but might have raped his wife like that that's enough of a caveat yeah that, but that's that's such a a bigger leap it is then that's why i like that big that's a big caveat like you can't just say anymore he's a good guy definitively because he might not be i okay i i am of the opinion that his violent streak is enough for me to say like he's a good guy but no, I disagree. Because I think, uh, and that's just that's opinionated. Yeah, because I I think his his both both can be pretty rationally like you know like okay the robbing one high st- both he's a very high stress situation. He's about to lose his church, needs this money, and this person's also robbing him. Mm-hmm. So okay, fine. And the other person, uh, he's stressing out, needs to get his wife back in miracle. He's I literally like his wrist broke, all this other stuff happening to him, and you know, this guy's breathing down his neck. That guy was a jerk too. Both those guys were jerks and had it coming to them. Okay. So I I don't, I don't disagree that they both were jerks. Uh, um, probably I, the having having it come to the part that's that's whatever that's up for debate, but. But I, I think Matt is flawed enough that he doesn't need rape on his rap sheet as That's well. True. And I disagree so, with that. I don't think he's flawed enough. You don't, huh? I don't think he's flawed enough. I think I think him being so morally upstanding in and of its own self can be a flaw. Okay. But, you know. But he's he's okay, so he's got the violent streak. Beyond that, he has this this elevated level of holier than thou. Uh, attitude where he has to hand out flyers to prove that people who departed were not better than him because he didn't depart. That is true. Yeah, he, yeah. That, listen, <laughs> that's a ding, but it's, it's just what I guess it's his belief that they uh-huh. did not depart because it's the rapture and he's trying to spread his belief and he lets people beat him up for it like you know he's taking his licks for it he's earned that yeah but don't you think that's because he knows that he has a lot to be guilty about or to feel guilty about yeah i mean he 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 wished himself he Wished for the attention when he, I mean, this is when he's a kid, so yeah, the, this is, yeah, but you know, when, when Nora was born and he wished for the attention and he got cancer, but, but whatever. Anyway, my, my point is that I think Matt has 
significant flaws and rape being added to that list takes him from a I'm good surprised, guy. I'm sorry, I'm surprised one of the flaws you didn't mention was when he helped Kevin hide Patty or like get rid of Patty's body. Yeah, there are. There, there I really thought you were going to bring that one up, Ross Bilfow. Well, not, not only I that, know about but... a good guy. He didn't want a good guy going, an innocent man going to jail. Right. Okay. But... And how about when he harbored Kevin Sr. after he escaped? And he lied to Kevin and told him he wasn't with him, even though he was. Because he can't have a, a, a completely sane person going to um, asylum. Right. Uh, so my point is that he is not, he is far from perfect. He's not, she, oh yeah, he's not perfect. But he's, he, it, it feels like he always follows the moral high road. Almost but always. But is I guess the is is burying this body that instead of reporting it, the moral high road is is it is because he knows that Ke- he, uh, Kevin and him are both of the belief that Kevin will probably they're gonna they're gonna think Kevin killed her, and understandably. Uh huh. Okay. the The moral high road would not be handing out flyers to. What does he gain? From handing out flyers, he doesn't gain, but other people out there who thought other... that this could have been the rapture can right. rest in solace, like, well, it was not the rapture. Okay, that's... but that's not the moral high road. The moral high road is to accept your lot in life. That's what Job would do. Fair enough. So I, 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 I definitely think that Matt was flawed enough that you could always say Matt's a good guy, but always from the first thing that we ever saw of him. I did forget about his whole paper stuff. You are right. That that is a bit of a jerk thing to do. That's a really jerky thing to do. Really, really it's it's purely to benefit himself. My okay, so my ne- this will be my next argument. This season he hasn't been too much of a jerk. Alright, he wanted the people kill- around him think he's a pretty grand guy. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I suppose you're right about that. And this will shine him in a more. His wife's pregnant. Oh, that's odd. Yep. So. But I, so to me, this doesn't ruin anything. In fact, I want, I wanted this like pretty badly. <laughs> like I, because I want to root for Matt, and I can look past. I still, this... I still root for Matt. I root for Matt, even because. What's that? I, I listen, I probably do I I mean I do believe that he he would not uh like rape his wife. But I like the ambiguity being there. I enjoy the ambi- the possibility I, being there. I enjoyed it for the four or five what five, six, seven, eight, nine the five episodes that we had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad that it was there for those five episodes and I'm glad that it the loop has been closed now. No, that's what we describe. I, I enjoyed it and I wish the loop never closed. Uh, you haven't changed my mind on that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think you are going to. I won't change your mind either. But it's just, no, I, just... I, I really, I really want to like Matt and root for him, and I don't know that I can if I think there's a chance that he. And actually, if she says I don't remember, then that makes it even more of a chance that it that it was rape. And that... well, see, that's that's the thing though. I don't since this has never happened before. It's like, will she remember if she came back to? Here, okay, here, here, here. Okay, I think here's the compromise. <laughs> here's the compromise we could both make, okay? <laughs> Which is, 
Matt's whole thing, she came to pregnant now, so on and so forth. We see her come to and then exit. So we saw Mary come back. We saw it. Yeah. And then she comes back this time, the final time. Okay? Third time she comes back. She goes, Oh, I don't remember coming back ever. Oh, I see. Now now we know she doesn't she can't remember coming back. I mean, I don't know if I'm I'd be up for she comes back, she leaves again, she comes back. I again. know, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, if she comes back all in, all in one episode, that'd be a bit much. No, no, not all in one episode. Like obviously the whole stuff that happened with her and Matt or one thing. I would have liked if maybe she Matt's episode if she came back briefly again there to show a bit of light there. Maybe in some way. There's that. Actually, she kind of did right. maybe where he got hit on the head, but I think we both agree that was just him yeah. getting hit on the head. Yeah. Well, so, so is this what's keeping this episode from a 10 for you? Well, I just want to, I just want to go back and say, would, would that compromise be good enough for both of us? Where the ambiguity gets to stay there, but there's more okay. of a... I, do, I don't want her... You don't want any of the ambiguity. ...separate times. But if we saw it happen the first time, hmm. even in a flashback, I think then yes, that would be that would make it better. Yeah. Okay. As long as you, okay. So if we saw her awake, and we know that Matt, when they had sex, it was seemingly consensual to Matt because we saw her awake, yeah. and now she doesn't remember it, even though we we know it was true. That then I can. Well, no, then then it's just a, then it's not a question of whether yeah, or not. I, 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 we see her wake up, but we don't know when they have sex. We don't know if she already left or like there. There, okay, how's that? And this is where she doesn't remember. Anyway, we got we got we've talked about this for so long. It's been a very long time. Is it us going back and forth with that? We know where each of us come down on. I, I understand your viewpoint completely, right? I understand, no, I, the uncom- I understand your desire to have the amb- ambiguity there too. Sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But- I, I don't want him to be a rapist. Okay, like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, but I like the ambiguity being there. Yep. It's more and- of a wrinkle on his character that I like, and I understand that he does have some other wrinkles, right? But to me, they're not significant enough, and I understand that. Okay, there are some serious stuff. All right. Okay, so. Sounds good. All right. So, what we'll, talk about? Oh, maybe I still want to give it a 10. I think I you know. do. I definitely think you do. So, <laughs> but, uh, so, so we suddenly, uh, out of seemingly nowhere, hear this woman say to Nora, That's not your baby. And Oh, I, I could tell a mile away this lady's going to take the baby. Oh, yeah. She's going to type the baby. Is yeah, it going to be this time? Later? Yeah. She's very upset that. Nora has this baby that is not her baby. Uh, I don't know why she's so upset by this, why this bothers her so much, but it really does. I love the hypocrisy of it because, like, hey, she's probably saying it because the baby's black and Nora's white. Fine. Right? But, like, she's, like, it's not her baby when she takes it. What's her, well, I guess maybe Nora must have stolen it from someone. I know I'm a good person. Can't say the same about her. She's somehow gotten this black baby. Wow, it, you ever you've dropped babies a few times, right? I, mean, I think everyone just right. No. Everyone drops, you know. Not even your first child in a few times. I just keep saying that, but yeah, you're right. You know, she was completely irresponsible. I mean, she 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 seems like a nut job. 
Yeah, I mean, it really, it seems like the only thing that this was for was to take it away from Nora. It didn't benefit the baby. It didn't benefit her. The only thing that happened was Nora was hurt by it. So that, that like I, this woman kind of drives me nuts, but uh, she's coming back a little in a little bit. And Nora, by the way, walks right by Tommy and Meg and all of this, but she doesn't know Tommy. She does know Meg, though. Yeah, but she, I don't think she really saw Meg. Well, I don't know if she'd really recognize her anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But it leads us into this conversation between Tommy and Meg, where t- <laughs> Meg asks Tommy what the point is, and Tommy says, well, there, there is no family. And Meg contradicts him and says, no, family is everything. Some godfather-esque stuff there. It, well, it is, but it, this is just another illustration of how how deviant Meg is from the guilty remnant. Meg is not the guilty remnant. This is yeah. a He's the MGR Meg's guilty remnant, which is yeah. in no way associated to the guilty remnant. This is completely separate cult that still happens to wear white and smoke. And sometimes wear white. Right. Exactly. <laughs> which that's very cool in this in this scene. I love this. But Meg it says family is everything, uh, which I guess what she means by that is the the point of her doing everything that she's done is because of what happened to her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, family is everything. Like, I guess that's that, but she didn't like her mother. So there's a thing about Meg's mother dying that made her like her mom much more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It maybe it's something to do with like the mom was trying to say something. Yes. In her mind. Yeah. yeah. But that, by the way, is a pretty common thing that people are revered much more in death than they were when they were alive. Fair enough. Yeah, that, that's that's very common. Uh, and it's I got a lot to do with survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's still here. Her mother's not. She feels guilty that she was so had so much contempt for her mother when she was alive. And now she's got to live with that guilt and does not have an opportunity to reconcile. And she didn't even have an opportunity really to grieve because of what happened the very next day. So at any rate, she drives the tra- the her truck with the trailer attached to it right up to the gate. And they, they tell her that the park is closed because it gives the, the citizens a, an opportunity to reflect. <laughs> I love this so this argument is so <laughs> an analogy. This is the best Meg has ever been right here. This is this is peak. I agree. This is peak performance. I just love this analogy or like comparison it so is. much. It is a really good comparison too. It's not like I think most analogies are pretty bad. I like making analogies. They're pretty yep. bad. But this great great comparison here. Like absolutely reflect on what it's kind. Of, it would be kind of like a temple closing down on Christmas. Not really your holiday. <laughs> like that is perfect it's so good and and really like i would be furious to hear this if i were anybody outside in that encampment trying to get in yeah yeah what are you reflecting on what are you observing like what well you know i just thought of a a a counter the ranger could have said it's not a day of mourning it's a day of celebration we did it yeah there you go that's true but but yeah, I, I still overall agree with, and the, even the ranger is kind of taken aback, like, oh. right? <laughs> She's like broken down my entire 
method of thinking. Now I've, I'm mentally broken. I'd be willing yeah. to join a cult now if only there was a cult nearby for me to join. <laughs> Guarantee you this guy dressed right into white as he saw all the others do it. <laughs> well, I've got some good news for you. <laughs> she tells him that she has 35 pounds of plastic explosives and busts through the gate, parks on the bridge, chucks the keys over. I, I got to pause you right there. Yeah. When I started driving over the bridge, this car and trailer. So uh, last episode... We talked about that subliminal message that I saw. Me and Michelle mm-hmm. did go back and look. It exists. That subliminal yep. message is there. Yep. And, and that's, this- it is this scene of like the people looking up at this truck with this trailer. And I was like, wow. That yep. actually, they actually, wow. That was, was kind of gutsy to show us this. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, from that scene alone, I thought they were going to blow up the bridge. I mean, I guess they didn't quite blow up the bridge, but. They said they literally said they were going to blow up the bridge. So, yes. Now I think I may have found another Lindelofian connection here, but come on. I, I okay. She's alleged to have thirty-five pounds of plastic explosives, which I think is the exact amount of plastic explosives that Saeed was sent into Australia to recover and lost. Interesting. It's almost like that's an episode that we've. Yet, well, that'll be out this Thursday. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's... Was it thirty-five pounds? No, I can't remember. As I was saying, I'll, I'll check. Really certain it is thirty-five pounds. Maybe thirty-five is just a great number. Yeah, but it's it's really interesting. Now, I don't think there is any plastic explosive that Meg has any access to. If there is, she doesn't use it. So yeah, she doesn't have it with her. It would appear. Yeah, but as you know, the, she doesn't have any trouble getting on the ground when the rangers tell her to get on the ground. She gets on the ground and she looks right over at the trailer and sees the Evie and the girls step out of the trailer. And the the plan is starting to materialize, and you can see the the trauma that she's about to cause to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Anything you want to say about? No, no, there's nothing, there's nothing I really want to say on that past that. Because there's just a John and Kevin scene. Oh, this scene is fantastic. Where, so I so I do what we talked about it earlier, about like, so did Michael buy uh, Kevin any time? Do you do you think he did still? I do. do you, I, okay, I you think it, so? I disagree, which is fine. I understand why you think that. Cause John definitely did pause like when he heard Michael say that, but... I don't think it overall changed the way he did anything. Like, he was going to bring Kevin here, try to torture Kevin's dog. Didn't work. Tried to be all nice, like, hey, where's Evie? And then kind of started, like, grilling him. And then once he realized Kevin was of no use, shot Kevin. Well, I don't think that he shot Kevin when he realized that he was of no use. I think Kevin with what he said. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm giving him a bit too cold and calculated. But I think Michael not being there, all these events exactly as they happened would have happened. Okay, let's see if I can figure out where I think he would have shot Kevin. You know what? I'll take that back. I don't know if he would have been more angry towards Kevin in his interrogation. Mm-hmm. Or if he would have sounded the way he did because he's trying to like hopefully win over Kevin to just spill the beans. I don't know. Yeah. 
Maybe I I mean we're never gonna know, but <laughs> obviously yeah, we're never gonna see the same scene yeah. minus Michael. But right, <laughs> but and I I don't even know how much of it they were thinking about Michael when they wrote this scene. But they're in the quarantine kennel, and Kevin tells John that Evie staged the whole thing and that he saw her do it, and that he only remembers now because he died. And Kevin tells him about. Michael tells him about Virgil. He proves it by telling John that he knows what Virgil did to him. Now, oh my God, me, that is where John shoots him. If Michael doesn't buy him some time, no, I disagree because he because he he changes the topic because he just kind of changes the topic to give him some more chances to figure out where Evie is because he kind of he gets mad, flustered, and kind of restates what Kevin has said up until now. And tries to like, because he did ask like Kevin the big question, you know, she loves us, blah 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 blah. Why would she have left? And Kevin's right. answer is, must not have loved you. Right? Maybe she didn't. <laughs> yeah. And didn't. that I like. I don't know. That's where he gets shot. But well, and that makes total sense. Like that would be enough to trigger John for sure. I, but I think that just the the reference to what Virgil did to him would have triggered him had Michael not said, just hear him out. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I can see what you're saying. I don't I don't think so. He did get pretty angry. I will agree with that. I don't oh, think he would have shot him, because I think he still wanted to know more information. Yeah. He also, John also says that Virgil didn't do anything to him. Yeah, well, I think he was kind of in denial. Like, he didn't want to talk about yeah. it, because he quickly threw out topics and everything. Absolutely. Because he got very defensive, very, like, you know. Yep. But even even in all this, with the, all this elevating the way it's elevating, and and John clearly like going absolutely nuts about this, Kevin still seems so calm and zen, and and mm-hmm. John tells him, you know, she, she loved Erica, she loved Michael, she loved me, so why would she do this? And she and this is where. Kevin just very calmly I mean so calmly like this is this is a different version of Kevin says maybe she didn't and then John doesn't know what he's talking about did maybe she didn't leave maybe she what maybe she didn't love you and that that's it the end John shoots him and leaves Ah. and now did you think Kevin was dead here no did you think we were going back to the hotel here no (laughs) <laughs> I yeah, I didn't expect either of those two. I thought like you'd just be kind of injured with uh looks I'll have to sit here for some time till someone comes and gets me. But, yeah. I did not yeah. expect it to go the way it did. But but I what I love is that Im- almost immediately after he shoots Kevin, the cops tell him or the, the Rangers or whoever tell him that, that he they ha- he has to come with them because it's Evie. Mm-hmm. And so now he is left to deal with the guilt that he just shot this man who was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he does have guilt. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This because is this a turning point for John's character, I think. Not all, right, we don't see the guilt. We see a bit, a bit of the guilt here until he kind of sees Evie. And then it, it goes away for a while. But once, you know, him and Kevin are back together again, you definitely see the guilt. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even... Him looking for Erica, I think. I don't know. 
I mean, it's also just his wife in general, so maybe he's just mm-hmm. making sure she's okay. But maybe he's looking for Erica. No, he thought Kevin would be dead. I take that back. Yeah. He, he just, he did, once he saw Kevin still alive, he went back to his guilt. But he's definitely guilty. He definitely, yeah, he definitely feels I, guilty about it. I think he clearly feels guilt right here and, and shows yeah. it. He does, yeah. he does, the second he hears it, it's Evie, yeah. he, he shows some guilt. It, it's only momentary, though, because once he sees Evie, he kind of. Oh, yeah. He gets on that mind track. It's about it for a minute, for a minute or so, but for, for a while, I say for a while. I think yeah. we don't see the guilt yeah. until we see Kevin, just because he gets so busy and yeah, we see him. You're right, you're right. But they bring him to this to the bridge, but the Rangers won't let him onto the bridge because they're afraid that there's a bomb mm-hmm. in this in this trailer. Uh, John is freaking out about it. Just. It, this would drive anyone nuts. Like there she is. I want to go to her, but you can't because there might be a bomb on the bridge, which I mean, that's terrifying because there's your daughter and there's a bomb on the bridge. Like if that bomb goes off. Your daughter's gone. And this is what you've been working for the last three weeks to, to achieve, to find your daughter. I think this is what you've worked for for like 16, 17 years. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, I guess that too, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 I got you. And this is the scene where Nora, with her binoculars, recognizes the girls, and I I feel like she'll tell anybody who will hear her, ah, those are the girls, those are the ones who are missing. I told I'm you. Depart. It was I'm so not- obvious. <laughs> I mean, clearly, who would have thought that was a departure? I work at that department before. and Yeah. Lens schmens. Yeah. <laughs> oh man uh b- behind her oh no wait a minute not behind her uh evie writes down on a pad and holds up this sign that says one hour hmm. and the sign the the scoreboard behind nora uh <clears throat> starts to count down i did love this with the um just the environment of party city mm-hmm. is just you know it, it, it's reasonable for them just to have a scoreboard sitting around and they've yeah. shown it before. So, and it starts playing the timer. It's just, yep. I like that a lot. I don't know. It just really made me happy. I was like, oh. That was, that was awesome. Nice yep, touch. I love they incorporated the scoreboard into this. And we don't know what one hour means, one hour to what. We assume an explosion that blows up the bridge. Yes. That's, that's kind of the assumption that, that is being made here by pretty much everyone. And, this is this is one of the more heartbreaking moments when Evie does make eye contact with John and just stares him down. Yeah, cause he she shows she shows no emotion. No, but this this is quite a different reaction than she gives Erica later because Erica she will not look at mm-hmm. John. She stares him down. Yeah, and we we can be pretty certain that John is the reason why she's doing this. Yeah. John pushed her away. Yeah. And I always keep, I just always keep going back to that scene where they're playing, where she's pitching to him softball and just like the look on her face and the aggression. I remember you pointing out that aggression. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I also wanted to note here, I I immediately started to worry, like, oh no, how's Mary going to get back in there? Is Mary going to go back? Is she going to go back to a vegetative state? It was just like a, if, uh, like I, this would have been a good time if so the whole very I'll, I'll quickly talk about it 
How would you <laughs> felt if she went back into a vegetative state here? Uh, okay. I want to say that it, it would have been okay, but then to bring her back out at the end, like that just no, feels... No, 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 no. Just, just she's back in a vegetative state. Mm. Like, she came out, and this time we actually got to see her come out, but she was out of Miracle for too long, and it went away. Hmm. You get like a little sad scene of Mary slowly well, like, oh no. Alright, well because I know where they go next, what, what happens next season, like, I, I definitely would not want that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, because, you know all Mary being the character that comes in and out, in and out. <laughs> right, because what happens with Matt next season is so good, I don't want to change that. I'm very excited for Matt. I, I think like Matt season 3 is my favorite Matt. So really, good. oh my god, you don't even like. Well, I mean, since you didn't like, Matt. is that fair to say? Like, you didn't really like Matt? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say I didn't like him, it was just like I think his first episode kind of rubbed me the wrong way the first time I watched through this because of the momentum that it broke. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there it was like, what all of a sudden we get nothing of any of the characters that we care about, and we're just spending an entire episode with this guy we don't even know. Yes. Like, so, so that turned me off a little bit in season one when i first saw it it doesn't anymore but um but the fact that uh that broke the momentum that way didn't didn't sit right with me so i wouldn't say i didn't like matt i didn't like when they would dedicate a whole a whole episode to him when what i really wanted was more of the story we were just we were kind of in the middle of which is why the second season his episode his uh point of view episode was a lot more enjoyable to me because it was so much more a part of the story and in season three it's an even bigger part of the story so his his point of view episode has incorporates other major characters and it definitely does a lot for the story as well so good <laughs> yeah and, and, and I, I love where his story goes so I, no i don't want mary going back to sleep here Okay. Well, what if you went to sleep? She went to sleep and woke back up again. Then I think that this becomes a story about Matt and Mary more than Kevin. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't like that idea either. So, I, I, I think they found the sweet spot here. I think it's fine that she woke up here too. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. It is a bit out of the blue, though. I mean, I understand that there's the earthquake, but she's kind of like earthquake. Hey, I'm back. So uh, now, I, but I guess I they gotta have a point. They gotta have a point. Are we gonna bring her back? When do you want to bring her back? And do you so want to make I, it special? Like, do you want to make that special, or just back now? <laughs> She's been in miracle yeah. long enough. So I, I, you know, we we could think about this. We could talk about this, and I I don't know how deep down this avenue I want to go, but that does happen right after Nora smashes the radio and says, fix that Jesus. Okay. Oh my. Yeah. So you could, if you wanted to take a, you know, Judeo Christian, not Judeo, a Christian uh, viewpoint on the whole thing, chalk that up to this is Jesus fixing it. Uh, You could even go back to BJ and the AC in season one when Kevin like totally curses out the baby Jesus and his car breaks down. So, I mean, you could say that there's some divine intervention there. If, if you choose to look at it that way, 
I, I don't think that that is the point the show tries to make, but definitely it's there if you want to interpret it that way. Think of it that way. It's good though. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the next, anything else you want to say before we go to church? Speaking of speaking no 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 okay so in church michael cannot sit still during the sermon he has to get up and speak and he and when he does he corrects the story about the flooding bathtub that we heard in episode one axis monday yeah because that was okay i was like is that the same story that she told during the barbecue it is yes same story but in her version of the story and erica's version of the story evie turned on the water but Michael tells her that the truth is that he turned it on so that nobody would hear Evie crying because until, and he says, until she could pretend she was okay, which I mean, there's, that is a theme of this whole series being okay versus pretending you're okay. You know, I always go back to Cairo for that word with Nora's gun. Is she okay? Or is she pretending to be okay? You know, and, and the conversation that Jill and Amy have together. Uh, but even even more so than that, I think about Erica's conversation with Nora during at the end of Lens, where she talks about we know this we know the difference between real and pretend. And she gives examples of what's pretend and what's real. And here is Michael saying that we were oh she oh, didn't Erica say something in that episode about how she was pretending with John. She yeah. was, she, she said exactly that. And here Michael is saying that Evie spent her whole life pretending to be okay with John. And yeah. he says, now she's gone and we are not spared. And that's anything you want to say about that? No, I don't think in particular about the church scene. Like it, it's nice. You know, it, it's powerful, but I was very interested in the other stuff going on. Well, we get right back to it. Oh, yeah, we certainly do. I was waiting for this. I needed to be yeah, like, When is he coming in? Bursts in and doesn't even have to say anything. He just looks at Erica. We don't need to see what transpired between the two of them. The next thing we see is Erica breaking through the line to get to Evie on the bridge. And we know she's a runner. Well, yes, we've seen her running. We also know she's hearing impaired, and they take most of the volume out of the scene which i think is really cool yeah i, I was wondering if she lost her hearing aid i don't that. think she did, but maybe she did but they do take most of the volume out i would have liked that if they did you know just take out her uh, i mean she doesn't really need it she's talking to people that won't talk back to her so absolutely yeah and and but she goes right up and she just bear hugs evie who is not hugging her back oh yeah so one way road right here Oh, it's so heartbreaking. She won't even look at her. And again, this is in contrast to what she did with John, which was stare him down. With Erica, she won't even look at her. No, this must be a hard. I mean, this is probably the hardest part for Evie. I I would guess, yeah. I, and I think that's why she can't look at Erica because this is the one. This is someone she did not want to hurt. This is collateral damage. Yeah. 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 And and just I mean, I cannot imagine that pain. Have your your child right there in front of you, and 
refuse to acknowledge your existence. I thought you like you meant like the other way around, like you're Evie and the pain of your mom trying to win you back. Like, oh, like I, I love her, but I gotta keep doing what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> really, you can relate to that. I, I see. I know. No, I understand the other way around. Yes, that that's a much easier way. Evie made a choice, and yeah, and yeah, she- oh yeah. I, I see what you mean. I just for a brief moment, I was like, "What? What do you mean?" Yeah, yeah no, no. The the pain from uh, you know as a parent, yeah. imagining my children there in front of me, not hugging me back and not even looking at me after going missing for three weeks. I I don't know how to recover. I don't know how I could recover from that. That that would be too much. Well, you can recover from that in the sense that you you could take the pride in the saying as a parent. Where are you going with this? Nah, that was it. It's just I can't say that. I can't say. As, what do what do we get going with it? Just be proud of that. You can say as a parent. Oh, okay. <laughs> where, where did you think I was going with that? I don't know, but but what I'm saying is that. As a parent, looking at this, I don't know how I could get... If I were Eric, I don't know how I could get past this. And I'm saying you could rest in solace. Like, yes, you've lost touch with your children, but at least you can say as a parent. Okay. That that was one of the plus sides about being a parent. You get get the the official title of using as a parent. That's true. You become ten times more wise because you can say, well, before you say anything, you can just say as a parent. Yes, say it. And it has much more credence than someone that is not a parent. <laughs> in certain arenas, yes. No, not even certain arenas. I feel like you're just talking about something completely random. Like, as a parent, I think sleep is very important. Just, just means a lot more than if I say I think sleep is very important. What if I say, as a parent, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time? I believe that more than if you said Tom well, Brady is the best quarterback of all time. I never learned anything. The fact that I'm a parent has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Doesn't matter. If you if I write a research paper, I always try to put as a parent in it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. That I, I should have. That's anyway, back back as a parent, going yeah. back to the Yeah. But this is hard this is heartbreaking. Totally mm-hmm. heartbreaking and it's something that Erica's gonna probably have to struggle with. And they did a really good job, like, cause it, you can't hear most of it, and you can tell yeah. as she, like, devolves down and down. And once you can finally start hearing again, she's been at it for a while. It sounds like you know, it's not yeah. like it's, it's really good. You know, I, I think it's so criminal that this season of The Leftovers didn't get any Emmy nominations at all. <laughs> like, really? Evan, not not uh, Erica, not, like nothing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> not even Nora. No, no, not Nora. Nora does not deserve one, but uh, someone out there. I, I you know, know. I, I'm thinking about it. Honestly, I'm thinking about it. And there's some really great characters, but I always feel, uh, I always feel like you keep track of the enemies much more than I do. But I always feel like they're like the front and center character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, the most front and center one is Kevin. Yep. But it's been pretty diverse in terms of, like, hopping around. Absolutely. Doing this, doing that. So, maybe that's why. But even then, they still have, like, sides, you know, actor. Well, interestingly, with... with Supporting role. There we go. You, 
the show decides what category to submit uh, each actor or actress for, whether to submit them for uh, lead or supporting. Mm-hmm. And they only send one episode for what? consideration. Yeah. So it's not when when, an, when the Emmy nom- when the Emmy winner wins, you know. So like, I, oh boy, I don't, I can't even remember who won Emmys this year. For uh, for I, I remember all the comedies. So Schitt's Creek won every acting award for the comedy categories. Okay, okay. So Eugene, have you watched that show by the way? No, it's on my list though. It is so funny. It's oh, so good. I will so, watch that. So Dan Levy, who's one of the creators of the show wins supporting actor okay he had to choose which episode from this season to submit for their consideration because the the voters aren't going to watch all 13 episodes they're only going to watch one so so my question to that is is it when somebody submits for all of it so they have one they put as like the people that put as lead people as supporting actor do they, you they one episode be- for all of it or is it one episode per cat like one episode for uh one episode for supporting right so one episode eugene levy submitted one for for his lead actor uh katherine o'hara submitted one for her lead actress dan levy for her for his uh supporting actor and annie murphy for her supporting actress it could have been four different episodes you know i love i'm sorry i just love that there's a universe where they could have in season one of the leftovers especially did lead actor and put in episode three yeah, for, for Matt. <laughs> for Matt, and then he wins lead character. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Uh, yep. I know, though. Okay, I understand how that works. Yep. So, thinking about that, I mean, that's rough one episode, though. Yeah. That's a hard sell for this type of series. But, well, I don't, th- I mean, I, I certainly, I mean, if you're Kevin, then you submit International Assassin. That's easy. Uh, or- the thing about an International Assassin is, I feel like if you go into that episode... And listen, the viewership you said on uh, this season wasn't the best. Not a lot of people even already know. Like, if you if listen, if one of the judges already watched the leftovers, and so they're oh, I already saw this episode. It's great, magnificent, international assassins, wonderful. But a lot of them probably didn't. I feel like that's true. That's so they true. watched it, and if you're watching that with, you know, your first time, you're like. Why are they crying? Like, what's what's going on? Like, I I would not submit international assassin in that category. Not famous enough. I would not submit that. Like, they're gonna look at me like I'm a madman. What what's up with his dad? What, what? Okay, that's random. He's on the TV. I don't care. Uh, it's like all this. How Neil? How does he know that's Neil? Where where? How he poops? What he wants to? Like, all this. It'd be very confusing that episode, and I think a lot of the episodes are like that. Like I, 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 and maybe I that's see why it's still winning Emmy. Yeah, maybe that's why they never got a nomination. But I, I, I have a harder time understanding it for someone like Nora or Erica, who, I mean, all, you submit Lens, and, and it's just a showcase of the two of them. Um, uh, Matt, it, it, you, you easily you just submit No Room at the End. Like that's your episode. Like, so I, I do have a hard time buying that they got nothing, but anyway, what you going to do? Yeah. Nothing, nothing to be done now. 
But anyway, the reason I bring that up is because Erica is just so, this is Regina King, by the way, is, is the actor's name, but Erica is just so, so amazing in this, in this scene on the bridge. And, and I love the, the different camera angles because sometimes you get the long shot where you, you see from the perspective of, say, Matt and Nora, what it looks like to see Erica up there trying to get Evie to talk to her, and, and she just won't. But Erica is fearless in this scene. John is screaming for her to get off the bridge. Oh, people start stripping. Of course. Tommy's one of those people. We heard the thief lady again, too. Oh, yeah. The, Nora tells she, her to shut the F up. Yeah, yeah. Is this where she takes the baby? No, no it's when it's oh, when they start storming up. and Right. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's acting up. People are stripping and changing into white clothes, including Tommy. John is screaming for Erica to get off the bridge because, it, I mean, there are seconds to the to left on this countdown, and he doesn't want Erica and Evie to blow up on the bridge. I mean, yeah. W- w- would you would you yell? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a very hard, very hard circumstance to put yourself in. Oh yeah, I'd be screaming, "Get off the bridge! Get off the bridge!" But if I'm Erica, I probably don't. You know, uh, because as a father, or as, as a parent, a, I mean, yeah, as a father and parent, yes, yes, yes. But Erica makes the choice that if this bridge is going to blow up with her daughter on it, she's blown up too. I mean, she makes that choice, but then she's totally fearless. She goes right into the trailer and comes out. There's, there's nothing. There's no bomb there. The buzzer goes off, and all these people who just changed into white start storming the bridge. Which you've talked about for this whole season. Yeah, you put enough bodies at it, they can't stop you. And they've, like, okay, I'm happy finally someone stormed the bridge. Congratulations. But this just gives me, like, right again? Cursed by being, like, why, why could Party City never come up with the idea of storming the bridge? I guess, and here's the issue, you don't want to be the first one in. Right. How do you convince other people to do it if no one wants to be the first one in? Well, Meg asked that very question. She said to Matt, what are you people waiting for? There it is. You just go. And you're not doing it. You're waiting for me. Because well, I don't want to be the first one in. Right. So she's taking the initiative. She is, and she did a good job at it. And I'm I'm proud to see that it worked beautifully. Boy, did. Granted, a lot of, you know, circumstances to make it better, but Worked pretty well, storming the bridge. And when I say storm the bridge, like my my thought of it was that they all run. They're not even running. They're literally just walking. It's not even as violent. Like my 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 thought process is, okay, you run, overpower the first guards, but after that, just run right in. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, they do run in the party city people, but the guilty remnant walks in. Oh yeah. Well, because it's. It's more intimidating that way. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So, but Erica says to to Evie, "Why are you doing this? I don't understand." And Evie writes down, "You understand." Which uh, another kind of a callback here. Patty. Yeah, good man. Yes. Yeah, Patty and Cairo. When Kevin asks what she wants, she says, "I want you to understand." Was that, that that was it, right? I think she says, "Tells him 
like he's saying like I don't I don't understand and she's like you do I think she does almost if not say these exact words to him I'm basically assuring him like you understand the point like he like aggressively says I don't understand and and she says you you understand and Matt says the same thing to Kevin in the diner oh yeah she killed herself she must be confident he got the message right exactly so so here it is again but but what do you suppose Erica is meant to understand. Do you think it's the Evie intends for her to understand that she's doing this because of John? I, I think. She, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. To that extent of like, why are you doing this? Why, why? Almost in a way, why have you left the family? If you think that as like, why, why have you left to do this? Yeah. And when Evie says you understand, I think she means in a sense, um, you know why I've kind of left the family. Yeah. The reasons why, and if anything. Erica can't understand because she was gonna leave John. Well. Yes, like I mean, I don't think Evie even knows that, but so maybe that's okay. so. I wonder if Evie does know that because if Evie knows that, that adds a whole layer. It to does. This. It does. I'm assuming she doesn't know, and that's just a coincidence. But if she does know, then I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's an extra thing. That very plain uh, text on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Then, then you understand. Means literally, you were going to do the same thing. Yeah, don't, don't, don't chastise me. <laughs> right. I just right. beat you to the punch. Yeah, but it's pretty clear at this point that Evie is gone, and Erica is just broken about it. Yeah. What can you do? I mean, apparently, nothing. So. Ah, the one guy in the radio should just have another kid. <laughs> no, <laughs> because that mirrors didn't end so well though either. So. Yeah, that's yeah. that's any hint to this one. Yeah, exactly. I, okay, I'll if 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 season three, I'll just like, no, oh, that sucks about Evie. We have another kid though, right, Erica? Yeah. <laughs> oh um, my god! I mean, that would be what 17, 16, 17 years between kids. Oh, I mean that like oh, so long. But anyway, going yeah. on. But uh, Matt sees an opportunity here to get in and just takes off with Mary, leaving Nora in his dust. Well, okay. He tries, he's like, come on, let's go, let's go. Nora's like, okay, I'm, I'm coming. And then, baby thief. Yep. Thieves the baby. Yeah, thieves the baby. And scurries away. Yeah. Say what you want, but having, being able to say that line as a parent is that strong. <laughs> with that. Yep, it's it's strong. It's strong. As a, parent, as a parent, I would be devastated if someone ripped my baby out. Of my I think okay, I'd be devastated if people ripped a lot of things out of my arms. <laughs> Just yeah. like, like I'm trying to think of something that I would have in my hands or arms that if someone took away from me, I'd be like, oh, maybe if I had a heavy box. They, but that's if they were helping me. Yeah, if someone just ripped it from me and ran away. Maybe maybe massive debt in my <laughs> arms. I I don't really know. I can't think of an answer for that. So, like a parent's, I would think I would assume like, worst nightmare is losing their children. Like they, they, there's there is nothing that a parent fears more than that. At because least the, I I think that, I think most parents would agree that there is nothing. That they fear more than losing their children. Because then, don't you lose the status of parent? Then. No, you're still a parent. Oh, 
We can still use the phrase. Okay. That's not terrible then. <laughs> no, okay, no, no. I, I, I could, yeah. Definitely a very <laughs> devastating thing to lose. I think a child's most devastating thing, at least, I guess I put the asterisk, most children, I can, I can understand some circumstances, or, you know, I can think of some. Losing their parents is very devastating, right? Sure, absolutely. So, but, I think so, even more for a parent, though, losing a kid. For most parents, asterisk. There's probably always some parents out there that are maybe not the best parents, but. So uh, I'll I'll say this too, and this this has to do with with death, not not so much losing. Oh, okay. You know, I remember my great grand. So my great grandmother, who I knew pretty well, uh, had four children. Okay, and one only one of them one of, but one of them did die before her, and she was devastated. She's one of the things that she said, and I'll never forget this because I, I think of this every time I hear of a young person dying, is no parent should have to bury their child. It's just not the way life is supposed to be. The natural order is for the children to bury the parents. Yeah. I, th- I think that, you know, to some extent, everyone expects to outlive their parents. No one expects to outlive their children. Mm-hmm. So losing a child is just completely unthinkable i think mm-hmm. losing a child to death is one thing losing a child like this might be even worse yeah because you don't even know what happens were they right. killed are they just anything right anything could happen so, oh. the so, races absolutely but and, and nora races to try to find <laughs> and she's, she's that's a good one, that's a good one. Yeah, thanks and she's plowing through people on the bridge trying to find that she finally finds lily on the bridge like literally on the bridge the, the lady just set her down on the floor on the ground and people are just kind of stampeding around her miraculously she's not injured as far as we know and nora just races to her and lays down to cover her which, I mean, uh, it's it's an admirable thing to do, uh, and it and it just kind of shows you, like at that point, if the baby's going, I'm going too. Like that's that's kind of the way I, I I totally sympathize with that feeling. But Tommy is right there. She doesn't know who this is, but this man reaches down and helps her up and calls her by name, and pulls her into the trailer. We know it's Tommy. She doesn't know it's Tommy. And I think it's hard. I I think it's easy to forget that she has no idea who Tommy is. No, I I remember she did not know who Tommy was. Mm -hmm. Because earlier when Tommy's looking at Nora, I was like, oh, yeah, Tommy knows Nora. Or, yeah, Tommy knows Nora, but Nora does not know Tommy. Right. Uh, Nora doesn't know that Tommy is the one who left Lily. Exactly. That too. Yeah. And there's a connection of. Tom, Tommy has some sort of connection with Lily. At least, at the very least, I mean, he, he was he cared for Christine, which yeah, goodbye that rat. But no, <laughs> that rat. <laughs> it is what it is. But I will say though, and I will, I will always hold this position. Christine left Lily in a better place than Tommy ever did. So ridiculous, but okay. Listen, they were literally gone overnight from that house. Could have left the baby overnight. What if they were gone another 24 hours? How was Tommy to know they'd come home? 
Okay. Anyway. But, <laughs> okay. Everyone will have to go to the bathroom, Mr. Sal. <laughs> that's that's very true. Oh, man. But once they're in the trailer, there's a fade to white, which we really haven't seen uh, in The Leftovers. Uh, it's, but it, it fades to white, and then when it comes, when we fade back in... Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry, it fades to white as we see this the flood of people crossing the bridge into Miracle. Oh, yeah. Party the City. Encampment has emptied into Miracle. But when they fade back in on the other side of the white fade out, uh, there's this familiar dripping and overflowing bathtub. Immediately, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but what, what were you thinking there? Well, so, 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 so when I heard the dripping, I was like, this is very familiar. What? It, it triggered something in my head, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Something, and then when I saw the bathtub, I immediately knew we're back at the hotel. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, not this again, right? Like, so when you say I not... Said, I, I, I wasn't that negative about it. I was negative in the sense that, like, oh, no, Kevin's, Kevin's back at the hotel. Like, right, so when you say not this again, you mean, oh, no, poor Kevin, not... Yeah, poor Kevin. I enjoyed the hotel, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, oh, I love the hotel, <laughs> so... Here, I don't like it as much as before. I... It feels more like an homage, though. Yeah. I, I'm assuming we're gonna are we gonna meet this, this are we gonna see more of this Australian man in some capacity? You will see him again. Yeah. Okay. So I think I will respect the scene more with time. I assumed okay. we would see him again when we saw him on the bridge. Yep. Um, we see him again here. Yep. So, and you know they have the conversation, you know whatnot. I mean, here I'll I'll, I'll let you explain. Yeah, so, right. So. Um, when I when I first saw this, I was like, I can't believe they went back to the hotel. I, mean, I, can't I did not think they would go back. Yeah, I think back it, soon. It was really gutsy to go back to this hotel. <laughs> like, I, you know, it was a bit of a crapshoot just to have the hotel in the first place because mm-hmm. I mean, who knows how people would receive that. Now it ended up being received extremely well. People love the hotel, but to to do it twice in the season, it was twice in three episodes, is like wow, they really went all in on this hotel. And, and I, I think it works. I love it. And I love it. I think the, one of the reasons it works is because of the way Kevin reacts to it. Because he recognizes where he is, and he is pissed. And he is screaming and throwing stuff. And just couldn't... He, he cannot abide the fact that he's here again. <laughs> he, you know, he, hey, so uh, yeah he knows what's going on immediately he's like, oh, back here again. so angry he tries to go to the tv to see if his father can help him he's senior's not there he's on his own this time and he so he goes to the wardrobe uh and this time instead of picking the international assassin suit he picks the police uniform so i asked you if we ever figure out the other quests and what was your response to that uh we are going to see. I said we were going to see all of them in that one episode. Okay. No, by me. Okay. Yeah, we saw. By me, if we saw like what their objective was. Oh right. You said I forgot. I can't remember what your answer was. I thought I asked that. Maybe I didn't. But I'm happy we saw another objective. Yeah. And maybe it's too. different per. You know, maybe you put on the suit and you're an international assassin that's got to kill blank. Maybe another day. Yeah. Well, I mean, we we saw in International Assassin, we saw somebody in the police uniform being dragged away, not dragged, dragged, but not dragged, but taken with a bag over their head away from 
the guilty remnant. Uh, that didn't happen to Kevin here. So it's not exactly the same quest depending on the person and probably the time that they're there. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it has more to do with what they need at that time. So in International Assassin, Kevin needed to rid himself of Patty. That, so that's what his quest was. In this, he doesn't have an adversary. He doesn't have anybody to rid himself of. He's, that's not what he's here to do. The point of him being here is to realize the importance of his family and that he wants to be. It's the same as, as the theme of season one. Kevin wants his family. And, and that's, that's the point here is to, to have that realization that he needs to go home for his family. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he picks the police uniform this time and almost immediately is when, after he finishes putting it on, a call comes to the lobby and uh, the, they say that another officer is being attacked and they need his help in the lobby. But it turns out all that's happening in the lobby is karaoke. I was so confident he was going to get attacked at some point. Yeah. I, even call it, I was like, the second he came down there, I was like, no, he's going to be the cop that gets attacked. Yeah. And you were probably as confident that he was going to get attacked as you were caught off guard by the fact that he did get attacked in international assassin. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love that subversion of expectations. You know, he puts on the suit, he gets attacked. He puts on the cop uniform. He doesn't get attacked. He sings karaoke. So I, I, I love what that. What a quest. Oh, absolutely. But I love the way that they, they address that. Like if it was just him singing karaoke, it wouldn't be, nearly so effective as it is by the by virtue of the fact that he has this conversation with this guy mm-hmm. which I, I just i think it's amazing but anyway all that's happening in this lobby is karaoke the the guy from the bridge is there and either he's running it or he just finished singing his song and is about to hand it to the next person but he singles kevin out specifically to come up and sing kevin takes a pass absolutely not but when he sits down and he's having his drink at the bar, Kevin confronts him and he tells him that he wants to go back home because he loves his family. And the guy like calls BS on him. Like, yeah. Oh, what makes you so special? That's yeah. like, so you want, you want to, uh, you love your family. How come you get to go back for that? Everybody else here loves their family and they don't get to go back. And he says, because I deserve to. I <laughs> But when when you think what, about, I'm sorry. What did you say about earlier in this podcast that we talked about off topic? Off topic. Oh, uh, uh, before we started about um confidence on uh, <laughs> what was it? Too, I can't remember quite. It was uh, excessive confidence or excessive, misplaced. Yeah, misplaced. There, yeah, misplaced yeah. confidence. But excessive yeah. misplaced confidence. Okay. Yeah. This and this. So you're saying that Kevin has this misplaced confidence. A bit. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a pretty applicable. A sense of entitlement that. <laughs> Def- oh yeah, that's definitely yeah, definitely a sense of entitlement. Yep. Probably some panic setting in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, he has spent like, I mean, he he literally died to get his family back. He he already had his licks, right? He's like, listen, I just went through this already. Yeah. Surely. <laughs> yeah, and it is. And the guy tells him that if he wants to get out, all he's got to do is sing. 
And this next exchange is what validates the whole thing for me. I know. They they, they question it themselves. Exactly. Because they're saying exactly what the audience is thinking. I don't believe you. Why not? Because it's stupid. Like, of course, that's what everybody is thinking right now. This is so stupid. Why does he got to sing to get back? And and that's and the guy pulls him right back down to earth and criticizes him for thinking that the trial is beneath him. Like, you deserve to go home, but this is beneath you. Like, what kind of a pompous a hole are you if you, if if you want to go home so bad, but you won't even sing to do it? So, but when you think about it, it seems like this. This quest seems almost more challenging to Kevin and more outside his comfort zone than killing Patty was. I mean, he did a better job of killing Patty than, <laughs> than singing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a great singer either, but he does not have a great singing voice. But I, no. but I think that that works so well in this. Oh content. yeah. Because he breaks down as he sings too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. When he gets called up again, because again, this is the second person to single him out. There's a whole crowd of people here, but he's the only one getting singled out to come up and sing. And he goes up and he spins the wheel and it lands on a song called Homeward Bound, which is a Simon and Garfunkel song, which, I mean, I, I love this song. I don't know if you were familiar with it before or not, but no. were you? No, okay. Yeah, but uh, it's about wanting to go home yeah i I heard the lyrics of this right right. i do love the flashbacks that they kind of intersplice in Mm -hmm. when when he says uh uh the cigarettes and magazines they show him smoking they show the national geographic magazine yeah yeah. Um, at one point the lyrics are i'll play the great play the game and pretend and they show him in the garvey's at their best at that party Uh, yeah yes so good um and then at the end, of course, when they talk about his love lie waiting silently for me, uh, they, and he sees Nora, and that's when he closes his eyes and goes back to goes back to uh, life. So this is this was your whole this this were your argument of whenever there's an earthquake, someone comes back. Right, and there's no earthquake here. Must be wrong. Okay, but there is an earthquake later, and I don't know who comes back in that earthquake. Well, that, this is what we have to figure out. If well, maybe, maybe Kevin just had delayed earthquake. So yeah, so I mean, maybe he's still hovering between life and death. You know, You're, yeah, because yeah, he is like he came back too, but he's surely yeah. not in good shape. Like he should have oh. just died right then and there again. Like. Yeah. What's different about the last time he came back? Like seriously, what's what's different? If anything, his body's in a worse state than when he died. Right. So why why can he get up and walk around? So maybe maybe he's hovering. Uh, maybe an earthquake did happen. We missed it. You know, maybe there's a lot of it. Um, maybe so maybe an earthquake happened. We didn't get to see it. And then I don't like that idea that we just missed the earthquake. No, I don't either. So I I don't know though. I, I understand. I like I like your theory, but this is a big hole in it. I like the idea that the earthquake that we get later is delayed because he has not come fully back to life yet. Um, okay, yeah, I I can get with that. Just because how could he possibly do what he did after those injuries? Because it killed him. Those injuries. So it's not yeah. like it healed him. It just brought him back from the dead. Right. 
So it must have brought him back and kind of held him back. That's well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, he still needs help. Like he's not, he could still die. You know, yeah. he doesn't have much blood left. Yeah, he's not getting up. And going, well, that was that was yeah. yeah. Nice seeing yeah. them again. Uh, yeah. Love that hotel. Yeah. Time to time to get home and have some scotch and yeah. But we he does pick up the bullet, so the bullet went right through. So again, we have the situation where maybe that hotel is just a near death experience. It's not actually happening because this bullet did pass right through him. So maybe it didn't kill him. Maybe it was just it brought him near death. You know, but he he does exit with his dog into oh. what basically a hellscape, much like what we saw uh, with. Uh, with Patty and in Mapleton. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last season, I, I put that question there. Yeah, last yeah. season, oh, we yeah. had like right stuff. This is even worse. This is even yeah, worse. Also, what he saw the first time he went to the hotel when he was with Patty on the bridge with the little girl Patty, mm-hmm. when the guy wanted to hang him from the bridge, like the. Oh that, yeah, you saw the barrels on fire on the bridge, yeah, and, and that was actually miracle. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That is. Mm, nice yeah but it also it, it calls back to uh the end of season one when he went back to mapleton and it was just a hellscape as well but this place is trashed the sign is burning and think of the real estate is where i put here immediately <laughs> think of the real estate i just want that to be noted everyone well let me ask you this so what causes the real estate to plummet more a possible departure or this, this hellscape, but a verified non-departure. Well, the hellscape makes it go down more. Do you? Because they still have the that There's still legitimately no departures from here. Yeah, but I mean, there's it, it's literally a hellscape. I don't know how else to say. Like it's it's it true. Is. All right. I guess we can agree on we can agree on this. Here we go. We can agree on this that the value of the house went down before the events of the season. Yes. There you go. Okay. Whether whether yeah, because you're you're right. Because before then there was no departure and there was no hellscape. Now, for a moment, some the some of those that are weak minded might have thought that there was a departure. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. No. Clearly, it looked like there was a departure. Yeah. House values might have dropped. We didn't get an inclination of that. Maybe the city, Mar- Mar- or not city, Jardin's the city, but maybe the area was really good at keeping it hush-hush, you know, within. Didn't seem mm-hmm. like it, because researchers were coming, but maybe. And, mm-hmm. but either way, now, no departure, but hellscape. Hel- house values are definitely, not, all I can say with absolute certainty is Nora bought at the worst time. <laughs> okay. Even, I know she overpaid, but even if she paid the value of the house, she bought it at a bad time. You definitely did. So, that sucks, Nora. For sure. All right. Well, regardless, uh, th- this place is a mess, and the dog leaves him. Yeah, it just goes back over the bridge. It, it, it like looks at him for a bit. It goes, nah. <laughs> and then it gives me, it's like, the last thing we get on that dog... I, Maybe the dog will be mentioned or seen again in season three. I don't know. But it's just, I don't know why. I, I thought this was kind of funny. It's just Kevin sheds a single tear. Uh-huh. And I just, 
don't know why. I, I've made jokes before of like, if I got sad, but all I did was I just shed a single tear to show sadness. That's it. Like, well, that's how people showed sadness. Like, it's a devastating loss. You lost a loved one. And all you do is just a single tear. But that means the same as like sobbing and crying. Just a single tear. So, I don't know why. Whenever, whenever I see a single tear in like TV or anything, I think it's hysterical. I'm like, I don't know. I just, that's just me. Well, good for you. A single tear. I'm like, okay. Because it's like, it's like, it's sad enough that it makes you kind of want to cry, but not fully cry. Just, just a tear. You get, you get one tear. Like that's how sad you were. You were sad enough. We're not quite there. You were close. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Now, do, do remember though, this is the same dog that he re- rehabilitated in season one. He did, and that's why we probably got the one tear because he yeah. rehabilitated it. I bet you, if he didn't, he just got it from the pound. No we never tear. learned his dog's name either, did we? Dog. Dog, yeah. Kevin's never yeah. an original person. You ever watched Bird Box? No, I haven't. I, forgot. I think he named, she named her, her children Boy Girl or He or Her. I can't remember. They're named by like... I think it's Boy Girl. Hmm. What would they do if they had two boys? Or two girls? Don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I guess not. Anyway... The Kevin, I, I, I'll leave it there. Yeah, okay. Just watch Bird Box. I want. <laughs> so Kevin uh, is, I mean, limping around, just really in a bad way. Makes his way into the visitor center, which is overrun by the guilty remnant. So it seems like the encampment made their way all the way into Jarden, but the guilty remnant is camped out here in the visitor center. And he and Meg ask each other, "What are you doing here, Kevin?" says the title of the episode i live here now yeah i know i was like oh there's the title yeah also going to like are they applying this to the guilty remnant I know, obviously you can apply this to the guilty remnant coming in party city coming in i live here now yeah nah, whatever have you maybe mm-hmm. even saying mary comes back i live here now instead of the hotel if you really yeah. want to go that far but yeah. there you go a literal <laughs> but this is i think I think this title is meant to apply mostly to Kevin because he has been so resistant to calling this place home. Oh yeah, I theorized he would regret it, but it seems like now he's yeah. Going to he trust him. Now that it's a hellscape, this is where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... but and then Meg and Evie sing the miracle theme song at him, and it's it's pretty haunting. Yeah, feeling, but. That's all we see of Meg and Evie for the for the rest of this episode. But the encampment party has moved to inside Jarden itself. I, and- I have to note here, this is what I actually labeled them in my notes. I've called them Party City. Yes. They've now become Party Nation. Oh. Right? Because now they've, they've taken over another city. They're a nation now. Okay. And I theorize for next season, in order for Party Nation to continue... It's a party, you know, they kind of break things and they run out of supplies to fuel its own, like, sustain itself, sustain itself. It has to grow. It must keep conquering more land. Okay. Otherwise, the party will die, so. I guess, I mean, but, I mean. The party they, nation will continue. They are where they've wanted to be. Like, they wanted to be in Jarden because there were no departures. Now. Yeah, but then they're going to keep partying with Lyle. But do you think this is sustainable, though? I mean, eventually, like, the National Guard or somebody's going to come in and break this party not up. If you, not if you got enough people partying. 
The same logic that got them over that bridge. Granted, it was the guilty remnant. You got enough people partying. That's a drop nukes to stop you all. Okay. Well, what do you do if there's four million people partying in one spot? There aren't four million. That's what I mean, but that's what I'm saying. If you can get four million people. <laughs> okay. Right? Like, that's the, these are goals right here, Mr. Sal. They got, got to start recruiting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Expand yeah. quickly. Well, we'll have to see what happens to Party City in season three. Party but, Nation. Party Nation, excuse me. Sorry about Party that. Party Nation. They were a city, but they've grown. They've conquered. Okay. Well, anyway, Kevin makes his way through all this to the urgent care where we've seen Erica working before. I'm sorry again. I just wanted to... We saw Pillar Man momentarily. Was there any yes. significance for Pillar Man? Well, uh, you mean than... yet to come? I'm assuming he will have something significant next season, but just in in this scene, did they do anything? Not in this scene. Okay, okay. I was I saw first. I was like, I I didn't notice anything, but I was okay. The people, the the partiers, just leave him alone, though. He's just watching over the whole thing. Yeah, I I was worried that they would like tipping him over or something. Yeah, I was worried too. Got Pillar Man, but everyone respects Pillar Man. I think so. He has has, one could say seniority. He is legendary, but Kevin makes his way to the surgeon care and he tries to help himself. Like he's, he's trying to open up the gauze and, and cover it. And all of a sudden John shows up looking for Erica. He's like yelling out, Erica, Erica. She's not there, but John stumbles across Kevin. And Kevin by the way, clearly cannot heal. Like he, he was trying to, but he's kind of like, Ugh. Oh yeah. He, he was, he needed help. It looked like he was bleeding even worse than he was before. Like, it was so much more blood, I felt oh, like. A lot of blood. Yeah. That's why I say, like, I'm not convinced he's entirely back to life yet. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, I, John sees him and says, I killed you. And I, I love Kevin's reaction there. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he should have bled out. The bullet went straight through, but he should have bled out, and he didn't. And John is starting to take note of this. And he's, he's, this is the guy who, for whom there are no miracles and miracle yet. Here's this man who he shot, who should be dead multiple times over. And here he is. And rather than finishing the job that he started, which he clearly felt guilty about, he breaks down in tears and starts cleaning the wound and says, I don't understand what's happening. And as soon as he says that, did you notice the music? Yeah, where is my mind? Yep, yep. piano version. Piano, piano. And uh, and Kevin says, me neither. He doesn't stand, understand what's happening either. Um, but they, you know, he, they kind of laugh, cry, and break down together. And this seems to be a very... Uh, a significant healing moment for both of them. John helping heal Kevin physically and Kevin helping heal John emotionally and psychologically. This is a very sweet scene. Oh, it's so sweet. I, it's, I love it. It's very, like, John, this is probably the one time when John wants to talk to you that I would I would say this is fine. Yeah. I'll let John speak to you. I th- well, I think John has really turned a corner here. Like, it... I'm interested to see how both of them are because we have, we haven't been able to see Kevin since his return, yeah, like like in a natural kind of state since he came back, you know, 
Yes. Basically, he came back and then John shot him again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, he came back from the hotel. Like, wow, feel nice finally being back. He spent longer at the hotel than he did when he came back. So yes, yes. But I'm, John, I wish to see both of them. Yeah, uh, well, it, it, it's interesting. <laughs> John helps Kevin home, and John is very concerned after dropping Kevin off. He looks at his own house and says, what if there's nobody home? And Kevin says, well, then you come over and stay at my house. Or you oh. come over. Which, again, like, this is the two, these two guys healing each other. This is, this is both of them turning a corner in a way that we haven't seen yet. John seems like he actually could be capable of having emotions that that he hadn't been able to have before there's there's major major amounts of forgiveness here and as they wave to each other from john from his porch kevin from in front of his house that's the exact same wave at least the locations that we got was as soon as kevin pulled in into miracle and moved in next door he waved from the front of the yard and John waved from the porch. We get the same wave again. And then we get this earthquake after all this healing, all this forgiveness. Now Kevin's fully back to life. And this earthquake is there to symbolize that. I think. That's good. I, yeah. I, I believe that. Cause if he did die, there's no way he could he just wouldn't die. There's no way he'd just come back to and he would just, he would just die again. He just right. lost more blood. How did he, like, you know, he kept yep. losing more blood, way more. Yep. I'm with that. And then Kevin goes inside, finds everybody that he loves there. Jill, Lori. I did like this. I didn't expect everyone to be there. Everybody, yeah. I thought, like, okay, Nora, Lori. Yeah. Um, maybe not Nora. Maybe, yeah. I was pretty confident it would be like Lori, Jill, and. Mm hmm. I think that actually, I was like maybe Nora and Tommy, but I did not think like Matt, Mary Matt, Mary, yep, yeah, everybody. And the last line in the in the season is Nora's again, just like it was in the first season. She says, "You're home," and then they smile and cry, and that's the end of the season. Um, God, I love this episode so much. <laughs> I just love it. I like uh, Lori. Lori's probably my favorite character in this last episode. Oh, okay. She had a lot to do in this last episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely had a lot more to do in the first season. Obviously, it's fine. She's got a lot to do in the third season too. Don't worry. I mean, good. Well, listen, they've got. They've finally. They've spent this whole season setting up for the third season because they were all separated after the events of season one. <laughs> Even during season one, they were separated, but yeah. they finally did it. Season two, the big setup season. Yep. Yeah, to bring everyone together. So now season three is where the real payoff happens. I'm very excited for season three. Well, I, I mean, I, I tell you though, I, I could absolutely live with this as a series finale because, uh, you know, this is, you could, you could think of this as happily ever after. Now it, it, it's, you know, that how damaged these characters are. There's no way they can just have happily ever after like, that. It, that doesn't work for these people, mm -hmm. but you like to think that at least in this moment they were kind of all feeling that 
It's a sweet ending. It is. It, it's, it's a good ending because it it leaves enough on the table. You know, like I said, I I wish I could hear just some more more words. Like if this was the ending, I, was like, mm-hmm. oh, I wish I could hear like Tommy and Kevin talk to each other, right? Yeah. And, like small things like that. Man, I I, I kind of want to see more of Mary. You know, they kind of just brought her back at the very end of the finale. Mm-hmm. That might actually yep. bother me. This was the finale, and they just brought back Mary, like, oh, mm-hmm. Mary's back, and that kind of causes that whole... That would actually really bother me, but... Well, the good over. news is there is another season. There is another season. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking too much. Look at this. It's a good season. Really good, amazing season finale. I'll give it a 10. I'll, I'll give it back up to 10, because it doesn't really bother me that much about yep. uh, Mary. I, uh, I have my wishes, yep. as we've been over, for a very short period of time at this podcast, but... Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you that this I really for the for as long as I can uh, since I've seen the episode I've considered this my favorite episode of The Leftovers um, the only thing that causes me to hesitate and think that maybe something else would be preferable is that Patty's not in it <laughs> no really that is the only the only thing that causes me to hesitate because how can I have a favorite episode of The Leftovers that doesn't include Patty? Shut up. What? No. Move on. <laughs> but then I think about, you know, episodes like International Assassin and Cairo and uh, A Most Powerful Adversary and those episodes had virtually no Nora. So how can I have an, a favorite episode that has virtually no Nora? Yeah, literally, International Assassin has zero Nora. I know. That's so, your favorite episode. So who do you like more, Nora or Patty? I know! Well, you said Nora before. You, you kind of astounded Nora being your okay, best well, character. Well, she she is my favorite character, but a lot of that has to do with season three. Okay. So, you know, and, and this is why I say I don't think you're going to like season three nearly as much as you like season three. Well, no, listen, if, so, tell me this. Before season three, who's your favorite character? Like right up to this point. Oh, Patty for sure. Okay, so th- no, so let's so if if Nora got better to where you started liking her more, maybe I might oppose to more Nora, but it just depends what they do. Yeah, for how much. But I but I loved I loved Guest and Lens like so much more than you did. So, but anyway, it, it, I don't want to relitigate lens or or even guest but i will uh, well okay but i've got a lot of thinking to do between now and next week when we do our ranking episode because i don't know where i'm going to put this episode me either i I was thinking about that too i was like i don't it might be number one it might be as low as number three because i i mean international assassin and the most powerful adversary are so good I definitely like this one more than Lens and more than a matter of geography. But I think we we're looking too much at the high end. We should be looking at the criminal, the, the straight rat thievery done upon 1013. I, you know what? I'm glad you bring that up because what did you rank 1013? Eight, right? You gave it a. An eight. So eight. did I. Which means I actually rated it higher than you. No, I'm just I rated it higher than you if my. my... Oh, you're right. Ratings five. Yeah, there we go. I also ranked it higher among those things. Among for you, I think it's your least rated. Mine. It is. It's my. This is my lowest. That's my 
1013 is the lowest rated episode of the leftovers for me ridiculous honestly ridiculous <laughs> i could think of like a handful of episodes are worse than that why well, I, I mean you've got you've i understand got... i guess you get spoiled as time goes on once you've had grandma's cookies that's true you know other cookies aren't as good you had four you've had four episodes that you've rated lower than 1013 so that's fine yeah. Whatever. I mean, I, ten thirteen is a good episode. I I gave it an eight. That's pretty good. It's just, it's I, if it were placed, it, it's the placement. It, it just kills me. It's like all I want is follow up on that hotel, and there's none. But anyway, uh, again, I don't want to relitigate that when we're talking about I live here now, which is one of the finest episodes of television that I've ever seen. So it's a great. It's a great. Uh, masterpiece of television. It is. I, you know, I, I love the emotions of it. I love the self-aware humor of it. Like, I, I love everything about this episode. It's so good. It's a pretty okay series. <laughs> good. I'm glad hard, you like. It. I mean, hard, hard to believe they ended off on such a high note. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say about this episode before we wrap up and and move on to ranking it next week? ranking next week uh eight more episodes for season three another rank and then we're doing it again right yeah so starting back at season one episode one. Oh, then we're gonna start the leftovers again yeah yeah because we have to do the rewatch now yeah then we do the rewatch right after that we're <laughs> both resting our heads right never no, um, not gonna happen um i do have a homework assignment for you kurt it is a it is a ridiculous homework assignment. <laughs> oh my god! You're, gonna, you're, you're not going. allowed to give me homework anymore. You're not allowed to. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to strongly recommend that you do something before we start season three of the. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll see how I feel about that. Yeah, is it going to be watch the trailer? No, it's not going to be watch the trailer. Okay. Although it is a damn good trailer. <laughs> nah, I won't watch it. It's watch so me good. Not, watch me not watch the trailer. Okay, that's fine. You know, maybe go back and watch the season two trailer. Really? Yeah, sure. Why not? Now that you've seen season two, go ahead and go go back and watch is, it. Is that your homework? No, that's not the homework. Oh, okay. Here's the homework. Okay, so you remember um, the the sitcom that keeps coming up in the leftovers. I can never remember the name. I saw the four people departed. It's Perfect Strangers. Perfect strangers. Now, in season one, we saw that all the four main cast members all were part of the departure. They all departed. And then, can I, can I see if I remember this? And then yep. they figured out one of them that don't actually depart. That's right. Season in season two, we found out that one faked his departure uh, and was hiding out in Mexico. Okay. Now, well, another question. Yes. Perfect strangers. Was that the same actor that was in Perfect Strangers? Yes. Really? Yes. That is Marklin Baker. That's nice. Okay. Anyway, Mark, Mark Lynn Baker is the actor who played Larry Appleton on Perfect Strangers, and he is the one who is alleged to have faked his departure. Okay. Now, what I what I strongly recommend you do before we start season three is watch one episode of Perfect Strangers. It's a sitcom from the eighties or early nineties. I think it's late eighties and early nineties. Anyway. Um, and, you know, so the episodes, it was a network television sitcom. So the episodes are like 24 minutes long. So it's not, it's not long. 
It's not a lot of your time. But just watch. What the- every teacher says about homework. It's not that much. Yeah. Not about your time. Just work on. You'll get good at it. You'll have a good understanding. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, cheesy, campy '80s humor. Can but... I can I watch the premiere episode and will yes. it be good enough? Okay. Yes, the the pilot is the one I want. I would like you to watch, and I would like you to pay particular attention to two things. Okay. Let me let me write this down. Yeah, write it down. Okay. And this, by the way, this is strongly recommended for Kurt, but it's also strongly recommended for all of you. Everyone better do this. Yes, this is. This I is, have to do homework. You all have to do homework. Otherwise, not, otherwise, Mr. Sal. Go ahead. If I do the homework and the listeners don't, what's their punishment or my reward? Oh, I, I'll tell. I'll tell you your reward and their punishment in just a bit. Okay. It better not be the gift of knowledge. Go on. No, okay. Well, kind of. No, it's it's more than that. So, okay. so uh, Perfect Strangers is on Hulu right now in its entirety. All right. Season one, episode one, the pilot is plenty enough. You don't need to watch more than that unless you enjoy it. I happen to actually still enjoy it. I watched it and I was like, this is hysterical. So, But it's very cheesy and very campy. But pay particular attention to two things. First of all, the opening credits. Okay. Okay. So listen to that on the loop. Gotcha. And second of all, I would like you to see if you can identify one of the characters' catchphrases. Uh, okay. The, char- the character's name is Balki. B-A-L-K-I. Wait, hold up here. Phrase. Yeah. See if you can identify Balki's catchphrase. Okay. So the Balki's okay. Okay, so those those are the two things that I want you to pay attention to: the opening credits and, and Balky's catchphrase. Got it. Right? If you do this, yes, you are going to appreciate much of season three so much more than you ever could if you didn't do this. Okay. okay. I because I know people who've watched the series and did not watch Perfect Strangers, and there are things that happen in season three that. It, it won't ruin anything if you've never if you're not familiar with perfect strangers but it's an infinitely better experience if you have it's, seen perfect strangers so a few a few questions on this yeah uh what is uh, where is my mind is that gone now we're still going to see yeah, that yeah about where is my mind anymore okay yeah. is this better or worse than the where is my mind music playing um i think it's better okay yeah. and uh, is this is this is this homework like? Can I be late on my homework, or do I have to have it in? I, you know. I I would I would I would say before we start season three, you should definitely do this. Okay, so I will get late marks. Okay, yeah. and that was my that's my reward, and that's their punishment. It's just enjoying season three. Yes, wow. yes. I mean, listen. After such a great season two. <laughs> they can't go down, right? I mean, I I love season three. Like, I absolutely love season three. I can, yeah, I'm, I'm teasing it too much. If it is, I mean, I'm assuming it will. It was a really good season two. Hard act to follow. That's fine though. For sure, it'll still be great to watch. Because, mm-hmm. because you know, there's this thing in series like, especially after the first season, it 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 feel it changes a bit more you know they don't have to explain the characters as much you know the characters yep and here in this finale right where they kind of like like they know their viewership more and they kind of like, eh. I, I i'm excited for season 3 
Good. I'm excited. I'm glad. I'm glad we, we got. The, we have a lot. Of, we have characters joined from season two, like the Murphys. We have some of the season one yeah. characters, and now they're actually back in the fold. Like Tommy, Lori, these people were not here for a long time. Mary's a new character, mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's a lot of potential. A lot of there definitely is. Um, there are only eight episodes, so it's very lean. There's there's not a lot of there's not a lot to trim. But uh, it, it's it's good stuff. I'm interested to see what you think of the series finale. Uh, it's a little bit polarizing. I happen to love it, um, but and, and most people love it. But there are people who definitely don't like the series finale. So, uh, so that that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. But it will be way more fun if you watch one episode of Perfect Strangers. I. I will see if I can do that. Please do. I will. Give me homework again. I'll find (laughs) out homework for you. The recap episode, I'll give you. Okay, sounds good. Folks, we do appreciate you being with us through this uh, journey through season two of The Leftovers and hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, please Please do spread the podcast in any way that you can. Uh, Please give us those five-star ratings that we love so much. And we will talk to you during the rating episode, ranking episode next week.